0: I'm your host, Patrick R. McDonough, joined by my co-host, Brennan LaFaro, and two guest hosts. Regulars, uh, Regular listeners should be familiar with Cassie Daly and Erica Robin. How are you all doing?
1: We're doing well. Do I not get a chance to say hi by myself in season two?
0: <laughs> Let me start over, sir. <laughs> Welcome to Deadhead Space. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Ghana, and all other major platforms, which will include YouTube. That's right. Starting in one week, you'll be able to catch your favorite episodes on video. I'm your host, Patrick R. McDonough, joined always by my co-host Brennan. Say hi, Brennan. LaFaro. That's you worse. Got- than- what? <laughs> <laughs> and. Two guest hosts, all familiar.
2: Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's going to stay long enough for me to say hi. Like it's only started once you started recording, and I don't know why. Like it was doing fine before. <laughs> you guys saw it doing fine <laughs> before.
0: Yeah. All all regular listeners should be familiar with these two guest hosts we have on today. Is Cassie Daly? Say hi, Cassie.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh no!
0: It's a weird hi. <laughs> can't even get through an intro. (laughs) (laughs) Say hi, Cassie. (laughs) Hi, hi, hello.
3: (laughs) I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) And Erica Robin, say hi, Erica.
3: Hi.
0: (laughs) And today's episode is a special one. It's the 62nd episode smack dab in between season one and two. We are here to recap some of... Our favorite moments from the first season go over favorite reads from 2020 what we're expecting and hoping for and uh our high hopes and dreams for 2021 don't know where that was going sorry this is off to a horrible start i figured we'd start with the general reaction and feeling of the being on the show because it was new for me and new for all, all of us here um who, whoever wants to dive in first have at it i'll go with brennan
1: <laughs> so the question which is you know just been sprung on me is what is my general reaction to being on the show yes, yes. okay all right you do have to answer out loud Sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well seeing as it's something like my 53rd time uh i'm starting to get used to it but uh You know, you know as well as anybody that uh, when we first started this, I really had no aspirations to be a podcaster. I don't particularly like talking to people if I can help it, but it's been such a cool experience. And, you know, uh, between getting to know the ins and outs of writing and what goes into creating a story in all kinds of forms long, short, and everything in between um, you couldn't buy a better lesson um and it's all free man it's great yeah yeah
2: okay okay we're good i can talk i'm sorry guys look eventually i'm gonna get my computer replaced um so that's what all my commissions right now are going towards (laughs) so that'll be a thing eventually we'll we'll get there (laughs) um so being on the show was the first time that i've been in a podcast so it was pretty cool i was very nervous as you guys know and i needed a lot of like coaching stuff ahead of time um but it was really fun and i've been able to talk to a lot of people that i don't think i would have been able to speak to directly i mean i know i wouldn't have been able to so that's been really cool and like brennan said like there's a lot of um knowledge that i think i probably wouldn't get unless i was like in school or taking a workshop or something that i get to like sneak in and get notes and stuff like that while we're doing the podcast so that's really fun too um and generally
3: just good feeling about it to answer your question (laughs) nice
0: awesome how about you erica
3: So like Cassie, I had never been on a podcast before, so when I jumped on with you guys to do my very first experience talking to Hunter Shea, I really appreciated you guys jumping on early with me and letting me get all my nervousness out. Um, And for me, I'm coming into all of this strictly from like a book, book blogger standpoint. Like I don't write like the three of you, maybe someday, but we'll see. So I do, I also love learning like the tips and tricks, but I'm just uh, really grateful that you guys invited me to join.
0: That's awesome. Well,
1: After- and Eric, even, you know, you do interviews and stuff on uh, your blogging, and mm-hmm. I had, before we first did any of our episodes, I had interviewed a couple people, um, Alan Baxter, uh, Haley Piper, and it's just in person, or you know, over Skype or whatever, it's so much more interesting because you can you can follow up and you can expand in a way that's just not possible. It's just not the same in print. Um, and that's you know, that's an aspect I kind of like to put myself in your shoes.
0: For me, it was just you know I wanted to talk with as many people as I can. There's no way in hell I would have been able to talk to most people. Be- like I can talk to anyone, but. To actually, what would be the point? Like, I can't say, "Hey, Josh Mallerman, or like, you know, "Hey, Jonathan Mayberry." You want to just talk? Like, they're busy now. I got a re. They got a. They got a reason and an interest to do that. If you got a podcast up, so. and uh, it helps. Like, I did it for a few reasons. I'm like, you can't just be a writer. You can, but like, it's beneficial if you do more than just writing as a writer nowadays. I, I've heard from plenty of seasoned writers, authors, um, that publishers and literary agents they look to see if you have a presence on social media. They like to see if you can also promote your own work because it's you're even in the big house in the big four now. It's it's not all of them. You got to do the work too. So, podcast is uh, a smart option. I thought and. I think paid off. I made three friends that I get to have on here, and uh, it's it's fun. It's a good time. Um, if anyone wants to jump to another section that you're particularly interested in, let me know. If not, I say we go to our top 10 reads of 2020.
1: I can live with that. Yeah,
2: I, and, don't, I didn't know we had sections, to be honest.
0: Well, I mean, I broke it down that way with my notes, so... <laughs> So for the top 10 reads, just so the listeners know, we're not counting if it's published in 2020. We are counting the books that we've read in 2020. Who would like to go first?
1: Erica. (laughs) Okay, cool. Um, She raised her hand.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's like when you're in class and you accidentally, like, scratch your face and the teacher calls on you and you're like, no, wait, shoot. (laughs) Um, So mine is not in, like, a specific order. Like, it might by chance be alphabetical. I'm not totally sure. Um, So the first one I had on my list was Clown in a Cornfield. (gasps) Sorry, we have the same
2: first one because I did okay. mine by like when I read them in the year and I read that one super early. It's okay if all of our lists match. <laughs>
0: oh, it doesn't doesn't matter. There's okay, no I was
2: like, I wasn't prepared to grab replacement
0: thing. <laughs> on. No, and, and feel free to <laughs> tell us why or you can just read the title. It's really up to you guys.
3: Yeah, I'm also very awful with names. So <laughs> if you guys need to correct me at any point, feel free. Um, that one made my list, obviously, because I rated it very high um but that was the first book in a really long time that I've gotten like totally hooked in and couldn't put it down even though it was like brutal um and I just I think cornfields in general are really creepy like I was never the kid that wanted to go into the corn maze I think I did one time and that was it for me so I'd read a couple of short stories set in Cornfield. So when I saw this one come out, I was like, oh, I don't know. I'm a little nervous just because it terrifies me so much. But this one kind of blew me away and I like didn't see everything coming when it was happening. So that was really cool. So um, Cassie, I'll pass it off to you if you want to dive in a little deeper. No, I mean,
2: so I had an early copy of it and I read it and I was like, oh, like this is going to be like YA. So I didn't expect it to be as brutal and like gory and stuff as you're saying. And when I read it, I was like, oh, I love this. I wish there were YA books like this when I was like 11. Like I would have loved reading books like this. So I thought it was really cool. Um, And then um, Adam Caesar, the one who wrote it, he has been like an indie publisher or an indie writer for like a while now. And so that's like his big first time having a book published by one of the really big houses. So that's like a really cool accomplishment for him and i was like yeah and then this is just a self-plug thing but <laughs> he let me do a um <clears throat> a tune me for him that he used in his marketing stuff of half him as a clown and then he's in my coloring book as half him as a clown um and then i have like a corn maze maze like for people to do as an activity in the book <laughs> like based on his book yeah because i obviously idea.
3: really liked it yeah <laughs> nice
0: uh, so what else erica
3: Oh, am I going through the whole list? Oh, I thought
2: we were all sharing one and then we would oh.
0: Oh, that sounds like a good idea. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first time this is the first time we've ever done this, so I mean, yeah, whatever. Sure. Uh Brennan, what you got, bud?
1: Sure. So um I'm gonna preface my list by saying I did not narrow it down to ten and <laughs> <laughs> I spent and and I'm I'm I might not read all I don't know how many I have, let's say twenty. Um but I spent the last week um, trying something new. Basically, what I did is I I took like 64 of my favorite things I read this year, and I put them into like a March Madness, like college basketball style bracket, and I tried to kind of bring them down. I, I did it as random as possible. I put them in alphabetical order, and then I would just kind of go one in this corner, one in that corner. But still, the matchups were killers. Like I'm looking at the the second one down. It's like Devil's Creek by Todd Keesling and Crossroads by Laurel Hightower. I'm like, well, that sucks because those are both <laughs> five of the year. So it was an interesting experience. I don't know if I would do it again, but the the you know the the one I'll share, you know, as opposed to narrowing it all down the way down to one. That's why I came prepared with like 27. That number is going to grow every time I say it. By the way. Uh, <laughs> The one I'm going to share right now is "The Worm and His Kings" by Haley Piper, and that did end up being my number one choice, and I'll stick by that. I thought that was a fantastic book. It towed the line between being gi- giving an atmosphere of that kind of cosmic horror hopelessness, but at the same time, you can't read that and come out of it without some iota of hope in humanity and I thought Haley did such a great job of grounding her characters, especially Monique in that humanity. Um I just I don't think I read anything that stuck with me on an emotional level uh like that this year.
0: That's fair. Yeah, that was a powerful book. Uh for me, I'm just gonna come on and say my top favorite book that came out this year was Blacktop Wasteland. I just loved it. It was gritty, it was fast-moving, as fast as the races that Beauregard had, and uh, I, I don't know, I, it was a perfect book, and I don't say that lightheartedly. So I don't have much more to add to that if anyone else wants to jump in with that particular book, or Eric, you can go on with uh, your next one.
1: I will say, you know, that's going to make my list as well. I thought that was a really fantastic book. Um, doesn't let up for a second. And it's one of those nearly 300 page books that you it's possible to read that thing in a couple days and not not feel it. Um, yeah. I, I, I thought it was fantastic. And I'm looking forward to uh, what he has coming out next. Hmm.
2: I think um, so. By the time we get to the end of this, like you guys are going to have all of my choices already said because first of all, the Worm and His Kings is my number six because I did these again in order of when I read them, and then Blacktop Wasteland is number nine. So um, they were both very good. <laughs> I agree with both of you. <laughs> I love both of them. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So then Cassie, you get to pick a book next.
2: Okay. Uh, so my number 2 that I read earlier in the year was Night Shoot by David Sodergren, I think is how you say it, and if I'm I've had him on PipeCast before and if I'm butchering his name, Dave, I'm sorry. <laughs> um but so that one was really good. He's got a couple of other books and actually he's had books that were out in 2020, but I am really slow on releases usually. So I didn't read those in 2020, but I'm going to read them in 2021 cuz everything else that I read by him has been like really good. Like he's um self-published I believe he has his own little like publishing thing that's just for his books um and everyone like it's got really good editing like he's helped me with some of my writing like the editing and given me some really good tips um so it's really cool being able to read his stuff and being like oh I see that he takes his own advice here you know um (laughs) and yeah and it's just really good it's it's very like gory very brutal there's a lot of like uh his other book had a lot of like creatures this one was some creatures but more like a haunted house type thing with like um People, like, a a little video crew that comes and they're doing, like, a night shoot, which, you know, the title, I like when they do that. So, yeah, it was an all-around win for me. Five stars.
0: (laughs) I haven't heard of that one before.
2: I took a picture of all of his books and sent them to you, Pat. (laughs)
0: Mm. <laughs> you probably did we talk about books all the time I it's can't true yeah it
2: to be fair to be fair we send each other pictures of books pretty regularly <laughs> <laughs> you're like here's my kids and then brennan's like here's my family and i'm like books 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 dog <laughs> books <laughs> i sent
0: a picture of uh, richard layman to brennan and said hey here's a dick pic <laughs> <So>. <laughs>
1: You guys aren't Listen. supposed to laugh at that. We're supposed to like insert the sound effect of crickets after he says that.
2: Oh, I thought that was funny because my boyfriend's name is Rich, <laughs> and so I was like, cool, now I can send you guys a picture of Rich and just be like, here's a dick pic.
1: <laughs> I've never understood
0: why that's a nickname for Richard, but I mean I thought I thought that was a lighthearted joke. So
2: Well, in the old days they used to call them Ditchard, so <laughs> <laughs> is that real.
3: No, <laughs> I fell for that one.
2: I'm <laughs> sorry. Oh my god, so I've been trying to. Rich does these things where he tells me a fun fact and it's always a lie, but I'm so gullible that I fall for it every time, and it's about like the most random stuff. So now I try to do it to everybody, and I'm so pleased anytime I can pull it off because he never falls for it. <laughs> it. Well, yeah, he knows you
0: better than anyone else, so you could fair. probably tell. <laughs> All right, who, who's, who wants to go up next? I'll go. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no. um, mine's True Crime by Samantha Koyeznik. It's one of the, I think, one of the earlier books around this last year. And uh, it's a short novel I mean, it's a novella. I was going to say it's a short novella, but it's a novella. So it's a it's a short book. Um, it's just, it, <laughs> it punches you hard and it doesn't stop. It does not stop until the very end. And it... I don't. I don't really know what I can say besides it's a brother and sister. They're both in a very bad situation from their birth, and uh, their life gets pretty rough after that.
1: Yeah, and that's definitely on my list too. Um, I'm cheating a little bit because I read it in December of last year, but uh, I'm still because it was released this year. I'm still going to include it, and you know, I'll I'll, I'll back that up. It's. I, that that thing should almost be like required reading for the horror community it's it's at a, it's 140 pages it goes so quick it cuts so deep and i i i remember having to stop like at the halfway point not because you know i had anything to do or because i was bored or anything like that but i just i like needed that physical break um to be able to process what the hell I just read 70 pages of and mentally prepare myself for what was coming next. Did you stop at the pig scene? I have no idea where exactly I stopped <laughs> the halfway point. The part was fucked. Especially if you have a pig.
3: Yeah. Oh, Greta.
0: <laughs> uh, Erica, why don't you go?
3: Okay, um, <clears throat> I'm kind of jumping around a little bit because I broke mine up into a lot of different categories just in case. Um, so, uh, fun fact for you guys: speaking of fun facts, um, I don't swear like at all. So my next title has two swears in it. <laughs> so uh, if you guys just bear with me, I'm going to kind of use my self-editing, but it's um, "Merry effing Christmas" and other Yuletide crap by kevin j kennedy um <laughs> i'm sure you can fill in the blanks there <laughs> um but that one uh kevin puts out just like incredible anthologies and short stories and things like that so this was i think this is one of a couple that he has that's strictly his own short stories but I could be wrong there um but it was obviously all christmas related yeah. And I just love Christmas horror or really any holiday horror. Um, Kevin Kennedy was the one that really got me into holiday horror in the first place. So he has like Easter collections and Halloween collections and things like that. But I picked up this one like right around the holiday season and it was just incredible. So if you guys like holiday horror, I highly recommend checking that out.
0: And he's got a lot of big names like uh, Edward Lee and. Uh, Our buddy Lex H Jones was in that same one of two that I can remember on the top of my head.
2: I didn't know that we book was a thing, and like Christmas scary stuff is my favorite, so I wrote it down just now while we were talking. I want to go look it up.
0: (laughs) Did you guys? I have not yet. I want to. uh, I hope I get you know have time for this year to read it. But Gabino's um, Hall was it Hall Dark anthology with Cemetery Gates.
3: That one was on my Kindle. I didn't read it yet.
0: Erica, you read it?
3: I did, yeah. <clears throat> oh, sorry. My allergies are kicking in. Um, how, how was this, it? It made my list. So five <laughs> stars. <Ooh>. <laughs> 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 yeah, I really liked it. You know, with most like collections like that, they're usually pretty hit or miss for me. So I think there were some that I rated like three stars, but three stars to me is still really good. So, yeah, yeah can't really complain. And just the fact that he put that together so quickly, just yeah.
0: yeah i was watching it happen live and then they're just talking about doing it and they did it and gabino took in over what 500 submissions and wrote back you know really nice feedback personalized feedback uh kind of makes me want to push more and publishers to be like look at one person did this
1: besides that though i mean i know i haven't read it i have it sitting on my shelf but um you've got some names in there. You've got Alan Baxter's in there, uh, Cena Palayo's in there. Um, But there's a lot of people who are relative unknowns within the community. And to me, that really spoke to Gabino investing the time in looking for the stories that fit the call the best and not giving extra credence to just, you know, filling it with familiar names that are going to sell a couple more copies. And I think that's, you know, I think that's commendable. Maybe not quite at the level of writing personalized, you got this rejections the way he did, but still pretty cool to have a very rounded anthology. That's going to get a a few people their their first published stories. I think he said one of the um, people in there was, uh, I think she was, a minor like she i don't i don't want to say she was in middle school if that's way too young but, I think but like she was
2: teenage right yeah yeah yeah
1: like i
0: think that, she yeah. was 17
1: could be yeah which I is amazing
2: that, was, that, that was like really to get cool. a first publication especially in something so like so many people knew about that there were so many people that submitted so many people that bought it and that's really great like as yeah. a first accomplishment for them
0: yeah yeah big ups mm-hmm.
1: to her yeah uh, um i'm not sure who is up next I, I like this format because nobody's gonna have any idea whether or not we anybody gave ten or not. But I was uh, just
2: thinking that I was like, if Brennan has more, I can just pull from my twenty-five best books on my blog, and I'm like, yeah, I'll just keep going, no problem.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna throw one out because I think that um, just because we did so much kind of side by side reading to talk to guests since March, I think Pat and I are gonna have a lot of similar books, but. Um, I'm going to throw out one that I know you don't have on your list, and that's uh, Wormwood by uh, Tim Meyer and Chad Lutsky. I
0: wish I read that. It's on my shelf. I
1: want to read it. I loved that book, man, and it's part of it is just I can't. I don't even quite know how to put it into words, but they captured the experience of being a 14 year old boy like so dead on. Um, and plus, the 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 two authors just have such different styles. I mean, I was excited to see them work together because I do love both their books, but uh, things I've read by Tim Meyer are so suspenseful. They can get over the top um, and they're just, you know, fast-paced reads, whereas Chad Lutsky's are so character-driven and you almost have to stretch them to say this fits into horror, but they do. Um, and I really felt like this book played to each one of their strengths you like everything that they do well was on full display there and it was it easily easily one of the best things i read this year
2: hmm. nice. i'm excited to read that one now you just like really boosted that one up for me and it's on my shelf and i'm i'm planning on reading it probably either this month or next month so now i'm like yes yes
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know it's like regular fare for you but i sat down on a saturday afternoon thinking i'd knock out a couple chapters and I ended up blowing my responsibilities off for the rest of the day and finishing the whole book. Um,
4: That's
2: the mark of a good book.
1: Yeah, no, I couldn't put it down. Uh, I'm just going
0: to throw End of the Road by Brian Keene. It's a memoir. covers his uh, 20-plus years in the writing industry. And for me, as a student of the genre and the industry, uh, for me, I call it, and no hyperbole, (laughs) hyperbole, I don't know why. I just thought I said that weird. <laughs> for me, it's my writing Bible. I know that he refers to uh, Dick Layman's book as one of the best for you know writing. Um, for me, his is one of the best, and I know a lot of people that are readers like uh, Stephen King's on writing. I like that book too, but this one's this one's a little bit more uh, up my alley because of being involved in the independent horror community that's you know that's what keen's all about uh i mean he has a lot of stuff with major publishers and stuff and what have you but uh i don't know it just hit home for me i, I loved it and uh i kind of felt like i could relate to him because he mentions a few times how he's just like sick of everything because it's you know he's got like what what do you say running like four thousand emails or something like that something like that and how he just says, like, fuck, and he wants to drink some bourbon. I'm like, I get it, man. Like, I am i don't understand the amount of, like, attention he has. But, like, we, we all have our own shit going on. And you just kind of want to say, fuck it. I just want to do nothing. <laughs> what were your thoughts on that, Brennan? I know you read it. I don't know if the other two did.
1: Um, I, I'm almost finished with it. I'm about 85% of the way through it. And I know there's going to be some like epilogues. So I'm probably pretty close to done. I, I thought, I think it's excellent so far. It's, it, it's definitely, I know you said that you hadn't really ever read any of Hunter S Thompson's journalism, but, uh, yeah. even if you read his fiction, it pretty much reads exactly like his journalism. And, uh, it's Keen's definitely got that style. It's it, it's a memoir, but it's entertaining. It actually reminded me a little bit, and I would be shocked if, uh, having listened to the horror show, if Brian hadn't read this book. But um, Neil Peart, the drummer from Rush, who uh, died last year, I think, yeah. uh, wrote a book, I believe it's called Ghost Writer or Ghost Rider, um, about traveling across the United States. And it kind of reminded me of that book a little bit. Like I said, as a diehard Rush fan, I'm sure that Brian's read that once or twice. But uh, no, it's it's really cool. And, you know, it's funny. You say it's your your writing Bible. And the most common writing advice, it's not necessarily, it, it's not your unwriting practical advice necessarily. It's not your uh, Tim Wagoner's writing in the dark. It's sit your ass in a chair and do it. Um, yeah. You know, every three or four chapters, he just reminds you, like, hey, if you're pontificating about, you know, stories that could be told, you're not going anywhere. You actually got to do you got you got to put in the work um, and not be an asshole.
0: Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter what format or what year it is. You're to sit down and write it out. Unless you have ghostwriter, then they write it for you. OK, someone else. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Cassie, I haven't heard you in a while. Throw it out.
2: Um, so I have um, Cirque Berserk by Jessica Guess on my list, nice. which is one of the Rewind or Die books. And there were a lot of them that I actually read that year. And so it was, I didn't want to have like half of my list be Rewind or Die. But if I, if I would have wanted to, I easily could have. So for anybody listening, you should read all of them. Um, but I really liked that one because it was just a lot of fun. And I, That one, I think, uh, it was really easy to visualize a lot of the characters and, like, imagine what they were doing exactly as it was going, which I'm not to say that the rest of them weren't, but this one had such, like, a sprawling sort of, like, it wasn't just, like, in a basement or just in, like, one spot. It was just, like, all over. Um, And I really like theme park-type things or circus-type things. And so, like, having that setting and, like, the roller skates and stuff like that and with all the gore and the, you know, murder, that was great. I loved it. (laughs)
0: I loved it, too. I thought it was fantastic. It was a fun slasher, and it had multi-layers to it. Uh, It was just... I could see it being a really fun movie that would have come out in the 80s.
2: I would watch it now.
0: Yeah, I'd watch it now, too. (laughs) Um, Has anyone here read We Are Wolves?
2: I've read some of it. I didn't finish (laughs) it. Sorry.
1: (laughs) In We Are Wolves...
2: Does I anyone have
1: have a Story and we are wolves. I know. I, sh- I
2: was going to say I should have. Pre- I should have been like, "What is that? I haven't heard of that." <laughs> oh, my
1: that's on my. Sorry. That's on my list
0: too. Um, I just thought that it was powerful. It was really good. Uh, each story is different. Um, I don't. I don't know. They all just kind of were like, "Yeah, wow, this is this is nuts." Especially as a guy, like, I mean, can understand certain stuff, but don't envy. You. Being in your guys' shoes, I want to want to deal with that bullshit every day.
3: Yeah, that's one of those collections, kind of like true crime. Every time I see somebody posting about reading it, I'm like, I want to tell you to enjoy it, but that's not the right word. Because, I mean, some of the stories in this one are enjoyable for sure, but a lot of them are just heartbreaking. So mm. every time I see somebody posting about it, I'm just like, okay, you finished, are you okay? <laughs> like, how's it going now?
1: <laughs> I have Do to say get I love this one because, you know, everybody Everybody involved brought their A-plus game and just the uh, the idea behind the conception of it all the way down to donating the proceeds to charity. Just there's nothing not to like about that anthology.
0: Really cool cover, too. Ooh. Cena Palayo is, uh, she's a goddess in it, like Pan, like the god Pan. Um, I'm, I'm going to jump in if no one takes the lead. So someone take the lead.
1: So while we're on the topic of anthologies, I got to throw out my favorite this year was Lullabies for Suffering, um, Wicked Run Press. Uh, and it was edited by Mark Matthews, who is an awesome dude. And I don't think he's capable of writing a story that doesn't like rip out your heartstrings um it was oh i should have written this down it was six novellas all collected it was uh john taff uh gabino had one in there mark matthews mercedes yardley i think caroline kepnis and i'm missing somebody you said but, taff, uh,
5: right
1: yep yep um but it, it was just a phenomenal collection every single one was really good. And I really enjoyed the idea of collecting novellas versus just uh, short stories. So, you know, every every piece you read ran from 25 to 50 or 60 pages. Um, and they were all, because it, um, I probably should mention, that it deals with addiction horror. So every single story tells the tale, whether, you know, kind of more supernaturally and cosmic, like Gabino's, or a little bit more down-to-earth, like Mercedes. Um, of addiction. So you know you're not going in for light-hearted reads, but man, they just do such good things with those stories. And if if you don't have that one, it's a must-have for uh, collections in 2020. Keelan Patrick Burke, I think that's
0: yes, did. that's
1: what I messed Yep. Yeah. So
0: uh, Erica, what what else you got on your list?
3: Yeah. So my next one is called well. It's part of a series, so it's the Dead Meat series by Nick Clawson. Um I specifically picked out Day 6, but they're all really good. So this is a series that I'm not sure if it was a sh- just a short story or a novella for the first one, but um, Nick Clawson has been releasing these for the past couple of years. And uh, they're zombie tales, and I am still just obsessed with zombies. Like, you guys can't see it behind me because it's on a bottom shelf, but I have all of The Walking Dead comics and everything so um when i started working with him i was reading some of his short story collections and then he announced that he had this coming out so it started on day one so every entry is a different day which i think is really cool so you see the zombie outbreak happening Mm. um, and i would say slowly but it's only on day six so it's really pretty quick um but he's really pulled in like the pandemic stuff with the most recent ones. So day six, you could really see that. Um, and it was really unsettling to read just considering the state of the world and, you know, how people don't listen to the health guidelines and how they're selfish and they let fear rule and things just get absolutely crazy. So yeah, that one's a uh, really, really good, but really tough to read during 2020 for sure.
0: <laughs> I'd be curious to see how what he does based off of a January six uh, terrorist attack. Yeah, I'm sure he's going to write something off of it. it sounds like he kind of d- keeps up with current events.
1: We're mm-hmm. so highlighting volume six. Um, yes. How how long has the series been going on?
3: Um, well, he started at day one and then went through day six, but he also had uh, day zero that kind of mm-hmm. backtracked and showed you what happened to actually cause the zombie outbreak. So. Um, from day six, it seems like he might be finishing up soon, but I'm not totally sure. We'll see. I definitely don't want it to end, but I think it's coming to a, a good conclusion. Hopefully, we'll see. Did when
1: did he start publishing it?
3: Oh, good question. I'm not sure. I would have to Google it. I think it was in 2019, but I could be wrong because I've lost all track of time with 2020. <laughs> Are they like like book or like novella length? I think when they first started, they were technically novella length, which I don't, (laughs) I actually Googled that today to see like how long is a novella. And I saw a book riot source or something that said under 200 pages. So I think the first few were just short stories and then it transformed into novellas and now it's like full blown longer than 300 page kind of thing. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, they're all really good though, so.
0: His name's Nick what?
3: Nick Clausen.
0: Nick Glosson. Okay. Hmm. I'll still to look him up. Uh, Cassie, how about you?
2: And I'm writing. Is it Glosson, like the pickles?
0: I thought yeah. you said Glosson.
2: Sorry, I'm right. I, you know, I write down a lot of recommendations, so now I like. But if oh. I type the wrong thing, I don't know what it says. It looks yeah. like
0: C L A U S E N. Yeah.
2: Oh, I got it right on my try. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> okay, Um. so my book. Um. <clears throat> okay, so here's one. I don't, I don't know if you guys. Um, I don't think you guys will hop on your list. Well, Erica, I don't know, but I don't think Pat or Brendan, because you guys don't really. Oh, anyways, I'm just gonna go. It's called <laughs> "Rules for Vanishing" by Kate Atlas Marshall. Um, it's a YA horror book, and I think it actually did come out last year, or it came out 2019. Um, it's not old, but it's really weird. Like, it's about um, it's about a lot of things. I can't even explain it. So it's so twisty, and like, it doesn't it doesn't feel like. YA in the way that there's not like a huge like romance aspect or anything like that which those usually pull me out of books when I'm reading them um so when I do read YA it tends to not I don't want it to have a lot of that (laughs) and so this one doesn't it's just a lot of weird stuff happening um and they're like in this like other world and like traveling through it and so it's so atmospheric and you can like kind of imagine the way it would look like all misty with like these creepy things reaching out of the mist to get you and stuff as you're walking along this path um and I really liked it and it's like it's not super thick but it's definitely like not a novella but I got through it in in a day Well you know how I read anyways but I did like even if I didn't read as quickly as I do it would have been something that I could have read in just like one or two sittings because it was so good um, and it's kind of mixed it's got some mixed reviews because some people are like I don't understand the ending that was too ambiguous and weird but I always really like ambiguous and weird so I was like, yes I'm here for it that was so <laughs> fucking weird <laughs> so so Erica said she doesn't curse and now I'm like wait I can't curse but no I can this is still okay for me <laughs> I don't think okay, she'd uh, yeah.
0: stick around if.
3: I mean, I'm I know, Pretty sure like, curse you words. You?
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah,
3: no, you guys are totally fine. It's just a stupid thing from childhood. Like my dad caught me listening to the Lincoln Park Jay Z mashup album. <laughs> I love that and, one. Yeah, so that was like the first time Lincoln Park would swear in their music, and my dad flipped out and like threw the CD out the car window and was like, "You're not listening to this because you're going to start Ooh. effing swearing," and I'm like. Hello. Oh a, my god. <laughs> but yeah, I'm totally cool around people that swear. My husband swears all the time. I just laugh. I just don't swear personally.
2: One my day I'll get like, over
3: it, but we'll see. Yeah. Like
2: NWA from the radio picking me up from school and stuff and like it would just be cursing and I'm like there in like the pre-K line and and I'm like, "Oh god, like and everybody's just looking at me funny." And I'm like, "It's my mom. I'm sorry, guys."
0: <laughs> She's listening to NWA?
2: Yeah, my mom loves it.
0: I, li- I like Ice Cube. They, he's, my, yeah. he's one of my favorites.
2: Yeah, well, express yourself, you know? You gotta...
0: <laughs> I like, he does this one song called Eye of the Tiger, um, and uh, I'm a big fan of it. So, hope I didn't fuck up that title, because you're like, that's not a real title, dude.
2: <laughs> no, I was like, that's definitely a title. I don't know if that's... that Somebody did that song, I don't know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Brennan, go ahead, sir. Pick a title, any title.
1: Uh, you know, what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and throw out one of the ones that I know is on both of our lists, unless you lied to Michael David Wilson, which would be really <laughs> embarrassing for you. But uh, I'm gonna throw out there "Watching" by him and Bob Pastorella, which That's is number, a really number cool three film. for
0: number four for me.
1: I'll oh, see. I didn't number them, but uh, it definitely up there because it was a really cool uh, book caught somewhere, despite what he says between a novel and a novella, and. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's, it's just very, uh, it's tense, it's suspenseful, um, it's, it keeps you kind of off-kilter the whole time, and Pat, I'm going to throw it to you to kind of talk about your feelings on it.
0: Yeah, so after reading Psycho, I thought about something like this is very reminiscent for me to their watching, because you have two people in ears that they're not totally familiar with, you got a uh, private eye uh, that's kind of a neat character, and uh, I'd always say this without ruining either book: you have psychos in it. <laughs> um, their watching's really good. It's fun. It's different. Uh, if you've read a girl, the girl in the video, um, it it pairs well with this one um, for so many reasons. But specifically for their watching, I just thought it was a fun time. Um, it was creepy. It was full of a little bit of anxiety at times. But I like that, because uh, that, that's, I think, what they were going for. And then the ending, I thought, I didn't see it coming, but it made sense, and it made it even more like, what the fuck? And the whole thing is, you're not sure if it's in his head or not. I mean, arguably, you could say that about the ending, too. I don't know, Brendan. What is that fair to say?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, it's very... Like I said, it just you you're never. It's unsettling. You're you're never quite sure what you're standing on, that you're standing on solid ground. Um, even after you turn the last page, you're like, well, shit. I guess I don't get any resolution to whether, you know, I knew where everything was going. Um, it's it's just it's a really good book, and I guess I could sum it up by saying it does to you what what most horror fans want a book or a movie or any kind of horror media to do to them.
0: Fair. Um, so I'm going to throw out this one. Uh, Devil's Creek, I think that is one of those books that will last for decades to come. Um, I mean, it's just improbable that all these books we love are going to last through the next several generations. It's just not going to happen. It doesn't. I mean, think about how many great books we probably don't know about from the 60s and 70s. We We don't. We, most of us only know about so many. And we're readers um, that read all the time. Um, Devils Creek. My my gut feeling is is that's gonna be a book that people are probably gonna ask. Well, how popular was it back then? Because it's really popular now, and I think it's it's a classic book. It's an instant classic, and I say that with uh, no hyperbole. I said it right that time.
1: <laughs> it's pronounced hyperbole. Oh damn it.
0: No, it's not. <laughs> it's like that time I mispronounced Macabre for Macabre. Oh, no. Yeah.
2: Hey, it's not as bad as, um, what is it called? Sabre. Sabre. <laughs>
1: the office. <laughs> yeah, at least you didn't work Macabre into a song. Um, so I'll, I'll throw out I Got Devil's Creek on there, too, for a lot of the same reasons. It just has that kind of potential to stand the test of time quality to it you know this is this is Todd's uh it's his Salem's Lot and I was so glad to have him throw that out there when we had him on uh so that I didn't have to and have him say you know whoa this is way different than Salem's Lot don't <laughs> get me to that hack um it's it's a it's a brilliant book it's you know 400 and some odd pages and it's it's small town mentality uh really really excellent piece of work yeah um if no one
0: else has anything to add for that book uh please Erica or cassie uh throw in a new title
3: sure i've got one already um this is actually an author that i got to go meet right before corona hit the u.s um gregory oh gosh Bastinelli, I think um, he wrote a book called Snowball, and it yeah. was published from Flame Tree Press. Um, that is a story <laughs> about a bunch of people that get stuck in a snowstorm on a highway, and the snow piles up like obscenely quickly, uh, and things just get crazy real fast. So <laughs> that's a book that I just thought was incredible because there's so many different like perspectives interwoven into the main storyline. And when I saw him speak and do a reading, somebody asked him if he was a, I might screw this up, a plotter or a pantser. Are those yeah. the terms? OK. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was just like, um, and it's they
0: pronounced
3: Yeah. So he said he's a pantser and he just you know makes it up as he's going along. And I was sitting there and I was just like, how in the world did you get that all figured out in your head? Because it's so it's just crazy. But it's one of those things because I don't usually like stories that have too many perspectives but this one just followed like a straight line with like Mm. one little offshoots but they were all connected so it just it worked really well and it Mm. was just really spooky because there were you know snowmen that came to life and things like that so that was a a really fun one and a good one to read during the winter for sure if you live in a snowy state isn't he
0: he's from
1: massachusetts i think
3: he may be i think he massachusetts or new hampshire i'm not sure
1: mm-hmm. I've on massachusetts only because he is um there's a there's a bookstore kind of near me it's in plainville massachusetts called an unlikely story it's actually owned by created by the uh jeff Kinney, the guy who wrote the wimpy kid books um and that is the only place i've ever seen a flame tree book in a wild and they had in the wild and they had five copies of um of of I don't know his last name either, I'm afraid. But (laughs) they had five copies of that book, and that just kind of screams to me local author. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, Michael Clark told me that he's a local guy, but he's in New Hampshire. But, man, I want to say Averill, but I'm not sure. I don't know. We don't know. Cassie, why don't you throw a new title in?
2: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I have um, The Loop by Jeremy Robert Johnson Mm. and... That one, um, that was another one that I got like an early copy of, but I think I'm pretty sure it was solidly 2020 when I read it. Um, and it's it's not YA like Clown in a Cornfield is, but it does deal with like a younger demographic like in the characters. Um, and I always, I like those I, I don't want to say more because I'll read anything really, but I do tend to like <laughs> relate to the ones more where they're younger. Um, I don't know why. I guess I just like mentally stopped at like 22 or so. <laughs> and so <laughs> um, when the characters are young, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I get it. And then um, there, there are quite a few um, characters in it. but And and I really liked that they their relationships and dialogue and everything with each other were very believable. Um, sometimes dialogue can be hit or miss when you're reading stuff, especially when – it's for like it's younger people that are talking like it's like that's not how folks speak ever (laughs) um but that one did it really well and i liked it um and then like clown in a cornfield i i put them together because they both have red covers and so i've taken so many pictures of them side by side for bookstagram um and they're both like brutal they both have gore um and this one is a bit more like apocalyptic like end of the world so i really like that about it. it's less slashery and more end of the world so it's really cool Hmm. i don't know if you guys have read it
0: i've heard of it for good things i have not read it
3: That was my last read of 2020. I snuck it in at the very last second. Yeah. I really (laughs) like, was
2: the main character's name Lucy? I think so. I'm really bad with names, but I'll say maybe.
3: Okay. (laughs) 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 Um, If if I'm wrong, so sorry. Um, I really liked her internal monologues as well. So, you know, talking about just dialogue and conversations and stuff like that, it At one point it got a little bit repetitive for me but that's just because I'm like hyper aware of when things are repeating and I read stuff so quickly so to like a normal person I'm sure it didn't even register but um, I loved how often she had to like stop and just be like don't break down you can't break down you have to keep going. I was yeah. just like, wow, because most main characters, you know, if they start whining or they're like, I can't do it. I'm just like, OK, then don't like <laughs> <sit> down <laughs> my next person. But she was really brave and really strong. And I really respected that out of that character for sure. Yeah,
2: nice. yeah, I liked her. I remember liking her a lot. And I thought she had like um her best friend was like a guy. And I was like the way that they interacted and stuff. I had a lot of like guy friends in high school. And I was like, this is very like I remember having like conversations and jokes and stuff like this with like my friends in high school.
0: Brennan, how about you, uh, Blood? <laughs> we have a lot of awkward silences in this I know. episode.
2: I, there's got to be like a cue or something.
1: <laughs> well, when
0: someone's what done talking, just make a fart
1: noise. We, we, we should have established an order. Um, but uh, I, I got to throw out Crossroads by Laurel Hightower. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I mentioned that that went up against Devil's Creek in the first round of my ridiculous bracket. And uh, unfortunately, it lost because, like I said, Devil's Creek, I loved it. But I loved Crossroads, too, and they're just such different books. Um, and Crossroads just kind of hit me in the feels, as the kids say. Um, <laughs> really, really wonderful novella. And, you know, I, I highly anticipated, because I know what Laurel can do with the story, but even exceeded those expectations. Just a really good, cool book and a, and a great freaking debut from uh, from Sam Koyesnik's Off Limits Press.
0: Yeah, yeah man Sam just kind of blew up man She uh, came out with True Crime In that same year She came out with her first edited anthology In that same year she came out with a press That's been very successful
1: She's a powerhouse
0: I Yeah, I don't know how she does it She busts her ass and Oh, and she has a podcast <laughs> So, she does it all Erica, you want to go?
3: Yeah, well, on that note, I had worse Laid Plans on my list, (laughs) so that works out nicely. Um, That one I read very early on in 2020, so I don't remember a lot of detail about it, but I remember the very first story after I read it, I was just like, oh boy, here we go. (laughs) So that, that one was just a lot of fun, and the last story, too, I remember that one very clearly. So I guess I shouldn't have said I don't really remember much. Um, the last story for most anthologies or even just short story collections, I find that I have a lot of, like, difficulty with them. Because if it's not, like, a powerful story to end the collection, I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> but this one had a really good one where I was just like, that was perfect. Thank you. Like, great. <laughs> what
0: was the first one? The, um, the, the RV? The RV that the old couple?
3: I'm pulling it up right now.
0: Brennan.
1: Brennan nodded. I, I can't remember the author, but that's it's definitely that's the opening story. Yeah, yeah, that's my yep. favorite one. That's my don't favorite. Don't tell one me one what
2: happens. First. Don't you dare.
1: Uh, uh. I read uh, the second story. Summer. I think it was the second story. Summers with Annie by Greg Sisko. Um, I thought that was a really cool story. Uh, bullet points.
0: What was that again?
1: That was the one where um they go. I don't remember whether the, who the main character was but they're always seeing this movie um on vacation oh in vacation. That was, yeah, but yeah it changes when they see it
0: that was such a weird story but it worked yeah, it's so different I like that um that one in Asher Ellis's red Barracuda I never uh i haven't read anything by him previously so that, that's why I love anthologies you know you get a little taste
1: you, you got to love V. Castro's story in there too, the Kukui of Cancun
2: <laughs> is that that one had a story um, one of Haley Piper's stories, right?
1: Yes. Okay, yeah. so I
2: read that story, I think, because I read that story from the book before we were going to do the podcast with her and then. Um, I read like one or two other stories, but I don't remember them super, super well. But I'm going to reread that one. I want to read the whole thing. Uh,
0: Cassie, to be fair, if you read any anthology of 2020, yes, Haley is in that book.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. She did a lot. And she's got a lot coming out this year, too. So but yeah, I'll yeah. save that for what we're looking forward to.
0: Oh, good. Yep. <laughs> good call. Speaking of Cassie, you want to l- rattle off another title?
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll just rattle it. Off.
0: <laughs> just rattle it off.
2: Um, okay, so salt blood by t c Parker nat um that one was really good, yeah, I read it towards the end of I think you honestly, I think I just went out of order because I think I read that one. no, 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 I'm still in order. I'm good. I jumped oh, it around doesn't, because
0: it doesn't matter at this point
2: <laughs> that's fair yeah, that's fair. um, but yeah, so I read it towards the end of the year. it was um uh it's a thicker book, and so when i I mean it's not huge, but like it's a little bit thicker than like the novellas that I've been reading all year last year, so um I picked it up and I was like, I'm just gonna read a couple chapters, like in my reading chair. And it was like 10 o'clock at night, and I legitimately, like Rich told me he's like, you need to go to bed. We have to be up early. Like he's like, put the book down, again. in bed. And it was like 2 a.m. and I had to be up at like 5:30. And I was like, oh crap, no. Like, and then the next day I did the same exact thing until I finished the book. So it was really, really good. I like, I. I'm usually, like, intimidated by thicker books, not because I can't get through them, but because I'm used to, like Brendan mentioned, finishing a book in, like, an hour um, or less. And I like that because it makes me feel very productive. (laughs) And I'm like, yes, I've, like, accomplished something today. Um, With this one, it obviously took me a little bit longer than that. But it was still, like, I was just, like, speeding through it, like, flipping through the pages. And she's got, like – the characters aren't straight and they're just they are a lot of women characters as the main characters and I really like that and they're also like morally gray so they're not all like super good like you know I don't know how to explain it like Pollyanna goody two-shoes like really really nice people that you love like they do make mistakes and have flaws um and I always like when the ladies are kind of badasses and have flaws but are also like you know not terrible so yeah I was super into it. it's really good and then I got um She's obviously got those other like crime books that she writes to you, plus one other horror one, I think. And she yeah. sent me all of the books and Ooh. I'm excited. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I know. And it was, it was, um, it was around when there was some stuff going on on Twitter with like certain people being upset and posting stuff about reviewers and just not friendly stuff toward them about how quickly they should be reviewed.
0: <laughs> every
5: week.
2: I, yeah, it, well, it was in <laughs> one of those times and, um, I was upset about it and posting, I think, something about it back, you know, and she messaged me and was like, hey, by the way, if you want my books, no pressure, read them. I don't care when I'm going to send them to you. And I was like, okay, like, I, <laughs> sure. Like, thank you. And I I don't know if it was just like the lack of pressure. But as soon as I got them, I was like, ah, I'm going to read these like right away. And I did. I read Salt Lid, like immediately. And it's so good. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to the other ones.
0: She's uh, such an awesome person, too. She apparently.
2: is. I love her. I've had her on the podcast twice because I was like, I just love talking to her. She's so much fun.
0: Wait, you have a podcast. Let's talk. about. Shut
2: that. up, Pat. <laughs> no.
0: I will be on that podcast next month. So yes, don't so listen soon, actually. to it. No, did, yeah. you, <laughs>
3: did you
0: read it? Did you read the book yet? No way. I'm going to read it like a She's week before. Tonight. No way. Look. Dude. My Okay. Look, the book is called the eternal enemy. And I liked the cover.
2: It's got an awesome
0: cover. Yeah. And it is only 170 something pages.
2: Yeah. So, also, in so past give me content, a month. <laughs> I, have, I have an episode of the Pikecast tomorrow at 12 p.m. noon, my time. I have not read the book. So, I've got to read it tonight or tomorrow morning.
1: Impression <laughs> so, capable of. So.
2: Yeah. Well, also, it's a book I've read like six times because it's one of my favorites. So I'm so excited. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> this is my time. OK, I got off track, though. I'm sorry. <laughs> I,
1: will, I will say I'm I'm about a little more than halfway through uh, The Debt, which is one of her Natalie Edwards books versus her T.C. Parker books. And it it flies. Uh, it, it's another 400 pager like uh, Salt Blood certainly looks like it is. Um, and it, it just it, it goes pretty quickly um, and it's it's hard to put down. So I could see that her horror stuff kind of reading the same way.
2: For sure. For, yeah, and the super smart, wonderful. too. She is. Like, the writing is so, like, it's, I write, like, I read it, and I'm like, I wish I could write, like, such smart, clever, like, and then she's got, like, corporate intrigue and stuff like this. And I'm over here like, uh, mothers and daughters. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so it's. I, I think it's really cool, and I really. I'm. I'm super psyched for the crime ones because I. That's not something I read a lot of normally. Um. Obviously, I. You know, I did read Blacktop Wasteland recently, and then there's some other stuff that like I've put on my wish list or TBR. But, I. I'm excited to branch out this year. I think it'll be cool.
0: I'm getting really into crime too. Um. I love it because it's. Uh. They're. They go. Okay. It goes hand yeah. in hand with horror. What'd you say? I couldn't hear your yes. mic. Really was soft.
1: I, I said, are you getting into crime books or getting into crime?
2: I know. I was like, oh. are you committing crimes, Pat?
1: No. Uh, see, I meant to say crime <laughs> books. Winky,
0: <laughs> winky. Um, I'm going to jump ahead and r- rattle off another
2: book. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we add- need a rattle. No, there's got to be a rattle sound effect, like a baby rattle just over everything.
0: <laughs> All right, fuck it. Whatever. I'll look for one. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. And what? I said, I have Maracas. That's close. Do you have them with you right now? I'm in there over there.
0: But All right. We'll talk after we're done recording.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Have your people call his people, Brandon.
0: (laughs) So happens my people is a one-year-old baby. (laughs) Um, I'm going to throw out one that is as old as me. It came out in 1989. I've heard that it's not the first book you want to start off in the Jack Ketchum bibliography. But me and Brendan's reaction was quite the opposite. We're like, no, that's the one we want to start out with. It's called The Girl Next Door. Um, I'd say every horror reader or fan of crime fiction should read it, but very much so a forewarning. It's heavy. It's basically, it's not basically, it's uh, heavily influenced by a real crime of this young lady that was uh, tortured in basements and uh it it, it's sad it's it's all realistic horror it it's it's fucked up it's the most fucked up book i've ever read but i loved it meaning i loved the flow of the storytelling and how it could just make you feel so many feelings i'm I'm like i want all books to make me feel that way that's why it's one of my favorite books ever i don't know when i'll read it again though uh it's not because i'm a parent it's just um You need some time to breathe after that one. So, Brennan, um, I'd like to hear... Because I don't... Erica or... Actually, I'm assuming now. Erica or Cassie, have you both... Either one of you read it?
2: I haven't read it. I watched the movie.
0: I'm nervous to watch the movie. I've heard it's tame compared to the book. I don't know. But uh, how is the movie?
2: Um, I haven't seen... I saw it when I was like 16 or 17. And I didn't know it was based off of like a true thing until after. Um, And it's not easy obviously it's probably yeah not as detailed or as like hard to get through as the book because it is a movie um but it, it's it's hard like it's rough it's a really rough subject and it's just like sad like super super sad
0: yeah that's fair brennan uh, i know we talked about this actually the first episode we recorded uh we talked about the book and it's the least popular episode in all uh 62
1: episodes <laughs> so exactly. um, we're talking about it now because nobody listening now listen to that one, so they have <laughs> no idea how we felt about it. Um, No, I, I, I thought it was a great book. It's an, I mean, it, it's it's one of those you say it, it's out of your mouth. You say that's a great book, and then you feel immediately guilty. You're like, wait a minute, yeah. great, <laughs> a positive word. That can't be what I meant. But it's it's a literary feat, and it's yeah. an experience. You get to the end of that book, and you you need to you need to put on the office you need to throw on some stand up comedy you can't just you can't just go to bed you can't just ruminate with that um it's it's a lot but it's something that any horror fan who believes they're up to the task really should experience at least once I can't believe it was published in 89, though.
0: That's the craziest part. Like, Psycho was released in 59. Still seems crazy that it was published back then, but, like, Catchem just... It's all out there. It's only the open... There's this one chapter that's only one paragraph long, and it's it, its the most fucked-up one. It's the most fucked-up paragraph I've ever read. Oh, no. Um, he cut it down from the original manuscript. He writes a... Uh, it's either in the afterword or the forward. I can't remember.
1: But, yeah, it's it's powerful. That's about, you it, know... It's what? kind of the same one, though. It's The the reason it's so powerful is because Ketchum doesn't show you the monster. And he highlights that he's not showing you the monster. So, I mean, it's not it's not power... It's not the worst paragraph you've ever read in you-have-to-tolerate-this... Uh, graphic mayhem, it's powerful in what a choice the dude made there um, as opposed to kind of the parts that came before it and the parts that come right after it.
0: Yeah, well said. And I do like how you worded it Where if you're up for the task. Because I would say every horror writer should read it, but that's um, I don't like it. That's a blanket statement. So you just said it the best way. I'm going to steal that from now on.
1: You know, when we were talking with Sonora last month uh, Sonora Taylor, that is, um, I, I said I am very privileged, I am very blessed to not really have any trauma in my past, so I can pick up books at will, knowing they're not going to mess with me just because of the content. Um, and if that's you, then yeah, you should try and read this one. But if you have true horrors in your past that you know, you know, you read the back cover synopsis, and you you can say... Um, that this book is not for me and I, I shouldn't read it because I'm not going to like what I find between the covers then, then you shouldn't read it you yeah. know that's certainly fair Yeah.
0: Um, Cassie why don't you go
2: okay but can I just say between the covers made it sound like just <laughs> really like it gave a different tone to it than I think you
1: <laughs> <Jiggity>. like Cassie <laughs>
0: okay Cassie is so inappropriate
2: I I can't help it I'm sorry okay okay so I have I have two left but if I need to pull more from my big list I can um so one of the last books of the year that I read was Go Down Hard by I don't know how to say her last name exactly so it's Allie um like C or say maybe it's S-E-A-Y and I don't Mm. I'm sorry if she listens and I'm butchering it um but I spelled it out so you guys can all look it up if you want to. Um, and that one, it's novella length. And it came out, I think, toward the end of the year maybe. Um, and I I saw it, like, all over Bookstagram, all over um, Twitter and stuff like that. And it it's about some rough stuff. Um, but it's also, like, a very like, girl power type of book, I think. And I don't know if that's, like, what it meant to be. But that's how I read it as. Um, And I like books about, like, badass girls who do, like, badass shit. But maybe it's not, like, the most moral badass shit. But, you know, it, it's I like it. So I, I really like that one. And that was another one that I started right before bed. I don't know why I do this a lot, but I started it right before bed. And I, like, I had to bring my Kindle into bed. And, like, Rich is, like, sleeping beside me. And I'm just, like, flipping through the pages trying to get through it. And I'm like, it's only a novella. I can get through this. But I was so tired. I'm, like, falling asleep with it in my hands. But I'm like, I just want to know what happens, please. <laughs> and it was really good.
0: I've heard good things about it. Yeah, I'm not sure I see your name right now. I would say it's Ali say uh,
1: I've been no. pronouncing it Shay and I don't know oh. why
2: I don't know well I don't know that makes grammatical sense no yeah I mean no <laughs> unless because Sean S-E-A-N for Sean so S-E-A-Y maybe Shay I don't know but um it's A-L-I and then S-E-A-Y for any listeners and it's called Go Down Hard and it's really really good the cover is really cool too it's like a lady um, with like a weapon and like her legs, like coming down some steps, which sets the tone for badassery all over the place.
0: I know that Haley Piper really, really enjoyed it. She commented on that, I think, a week ago. So Oh, did she? Yeah, so uh, that's two people I trust. So that's good.
2: You got to read uh, it. You'll like it. You I think you'll it like out. it for real. Yeah.
0: I like Sarah Killer stuff.
2: Yeah, no, you will like this one. It's, I it's told brutal you I'm in
0: getting myself. into crime.
2: Yeah, no, it's got some crimey stuff, and I think I think you'll like it because it's very dark, and there's no real, like, I mean, there's obviously, you can root for a character, but it's like, even when you're rooting for a character, none of the characters are really, like, you know, pictures of perfect, great, shining, nice people, <laughs> so it, it's fun.
1: <laughs> Brennan, how about you, sir? I want to throw it to Erica. I feel like we haven't heard one from Erica in a while. Sure.
3: Sure. Um, so, calling back to when Cassie was mentioning authors that are very patient with you. Um, I wanted to call out Michael Clark. He sent me two of his books at the time in one package. And then he's just like the master of book swag. So I got like a mug, the print, a bookmark, like all right back to back. And I still hadn't even had time to read his first book yet. <laughs> so uh, major shout out to him for being patient there. But I read all three of his books, so I read the first two back-to-back. That's *Patience of a Dead Man and Dead, Worm- w- ooh, Dead Woman Scorned. Um, and then when I finished that one, he was just like, wow, you're fast. And I was just like, yeah, I, I couldn't stop reading. Those books are seriously spooky. The um, if- first one's creepy. Yeah. Can we so talk
0: about all- one scene super quick? And sure. it will not ruin it. I'm just going to say the stair scene where it's all, if it plays with your senses. Mm-hmm. Me and Brandon talked after that and we're like, I still think about it. I read that, like, months ago. It's so creepy, because it can you can apply to any outside, inside, doesn't matter. Like, it fucks with you. He he nailed it.
3: Yep, 100%. In one of my reviews, I can't remember which book it was for, but I think it was for the first one I joked about, like, leaving an extra light on or something when I (laughs) went to bed after finishing that. The next one I was like, okay, another light is on now, (laughs) because I was so spooked. And I started reading those, like, pretty soon after my husband and I bought a house. So I went from living in a tiny little townhouse to a house. And I was just like, oh, no. (laughs) We have stairs and other rooms that I can't see in. So those are all – all three of them are really, really creepy. And it's just a really good trilogy.
0: You know what movie did that for me was um, when uh, Paranormal Activity, the first one, came out. Um, God, I think – I was a teenager, I think, when that came out. And uh, I just remember I thought, well, whenever I get a house – It's gonna be creepy because of all the scenes that it cuts from one camera angle to the other, and everything's quiet. And that's always the worst, but it's always quiet at night. You know, I can't be.
2: Freak me out.
0: Yeah, they do a good job at it. Uh, Brennan, you got anything to throw in of Michael Clark or uh, Cassie? I don't know if you've read that one, but if you have, uh, throw out some words if you'd like. Grab off some words. (laughs)
2: rattle them off no I so I did I read the first one um I didn't read the other two I do have the second one and I also got like the swag stuff which is really cool like there were um I don't know if you had the little flies like these little plastic flies in the packaging okay so I had little plastic flies in mine, which go with the books um the thing that I didn't expect was that me and Rich would find them all over the place and think they were legit bugs for months. Like, at the (laughs) bottom of my laundry hamper, I take all my clothes out. I'm like, oh, like, shrieking. And I'm like, there's a bug. And he's like, what is that? And I'm like, I don't know. It's got wings. And then he's like, this is plastic. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, fuck, dude. Like, that happened so many times with that. So um, also props to Michael Clark for his swag and for, you know, a really cool Thick Boy trilogy because those books are big. Um, And then also just – he, he's done a really like a lot of work in like social media and stuff to promote the books, which I think is really cool. Like he actually did a giveaway with a couple of bookmarks from my Etsy um, like a while back and just a lot of stuff. like he he works with um, like a stranger dream for one of the bookmarks. and I think it's really cool that he's like giving back to the community and not just trying to be like, buy my books, you know, like buy all of my, my trilogy, buy everything and read it and review it. Um, and yeah, those flies, those flies props.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> just another great person too.
1: Yeah, he certainly does self-published the right way, hmm. uh, and I, you know, on a selfish note, the uh, anger is an acid. The third book in the trilogy was the first book I ever had a uh, blurb published in. Now I didn't make the back cover. I mean, I'm not that big a name, Erica, but uh, <laughs> it's still pretty cool to see my name inside a book. That's
3: really yeah. Cool. No, it, I, he did that inside for a couple of them, and. I remember the first time I saw my name inside too, I was just like, Oh my God. Cause it was like with you. And then was it Andrew, the book dad and like a, a bunch of other people that I kind of look up to in the bookish community. And I was just like, what is happening? And then he sent me anger as an acid and I was just like, wait, is this real life right now? Like what <laughs> is happening? <laughs> but he sent me an early copy of that so I could still read it while he was like processing it and getting it published. So that was really cool. That was, the, that was a first for me. So
0: <laughs> Nice. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Brennan, I think it's your turn. We don't have a format, though, according to someone.
1: No, we don't. We don't. <laughs> um, I'm going to throw out uh, The Magpie Coffin by Wiley E. Young. Um, you know, mm. big big kind of movement right now with that kind of weird horror western, and it's a trend. It, it might not go on forever, but I'm cool with it while it lasts. You know, one of my favorite books from last year was uh, John Bowden's Walk the Darkness Down. And I read... At least a few uh, books that could be considered westerns this year, and this was definitely the best one. Uh, Death's Head Press with their splatter western series—they figured out how to kick this thing off. Um,
0: Those covers, books, man,
1: so good. Yeah, yeah. Justin Coons uh, knows what Just, he's doing.
0: Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Illustrations—that's. I think that's the key.
1: This one was fast, brutal, over the top with. I mean, you definitely got some supernatural elements in there, but it's not overwhelming. Um, It was just a really good, short, fast read.
0: All right, so I'm going to say one more book. Uh, Everyone else has one more, and then we'll move on to the uh, favorite top three moments. And they are all short clips, Um, ending with my one clip, which is four minutes, but I promise it's worth it. Um, so the last book I'll mention is The Essential Six Up by Ronald Kelly. It was the first book that I've read by him. Um, I noticed that at least in the beginning of 2020, there was a lot of people of our generation, uh, meaning me, Brennan, Erica, and Cassie, we're all give or take the same age. So same generation um, that were unfamiliar with Ronald Kelly and a lot of the other people that aren't Joe R. Lansdale or, you know, um, Dick Lehman or Clive Barker or Stephen King. Um, From that time, uh, Zebra especially. Uh, Ronald Kelly, he's got eight books with Zebra. I mean, I think he should be more well-known. He is to the bigger names who we all look up to, such as Richard Chismar, James Newman, Brian Keene. Um, So when Ken McKinley first told me and Brendan Bottom, uh, my ears were perked up because I definitely need to study up on those that came before me. Ronald Kelly's one of them. Uh, this was the first book I read by him. It's a collection. It's a collection of stuff that came out. He came out with uh, from the early '90s to uh, 2020. Um, it's pretty much a interesting way to look at history from the way he starts out as a forward, saying that back then. We, as the authors, tried up in the scale to get our stuff out there to make our stories sicker. Um, it was it was a fun competition for writers. Um, normally, if someone writes something super graphic, extreme graphic, for the pure sake of it, I'm not a fan, because uh, there needs to be heart in it, and if it's just for the sake of the effect, I don't find it usually has an entertainment value, but... Uh, when Ronald wrote that, I thought it was really it, it was important that I know that because I it would still have been enjoyable, but I can appreciate the stories more. So for all those reasons, I found that the essential six stuff was one of the best story uh, books that came out in twenty twenty. It's one of my favorites, top ten for me. The other one that the other two that I haven't mentioned, I'm not gonna go into details. Brendan mentioned one, Crossroads by Laurel Hightower, and then All That's Fair by S H Cooper. Both excellent books. Um, Erica, you want to go next?
2: Hold on, wait. Did you just say you were going to list one book and then list three?
0: Yeah, I said said, fuck it at the last second in my head, and then I went with it. (laughs) So whoever wants to say fuck it in their own head and go with it, just go with it.
3: Um, Yeah, no, I have one ready. Um, So my next one, I should have warned you guys um earlier that a lot of my reading was based on the CoronaCon author participants this year so i had a lot of like tim meyer mary sangiovanni steven kazanuski wiley e young um so my last pick that i wanted to make sure we get in there is the perfectly fine house um and oh, that was yeah yes that one was that like looks a- really good it was a fun horror story. So that was written by Stephen Kozenutski. I hope I'm saying that right. Yep, that's right. Um, and Wiley E. Young. Uh, that <laughs> that was the first one I read after Coronacon, and I was just like, "Oh my gosh, this is so cool." So from there, I grabbed like a bunch of their work because I had only read, I think, uh, I think it was called Skin Wrapper, but now I'm second guessing myself from Kozenutski before, and that one was. Absolutely insane. So then I also read Magpie Coffin from Wiley E. Young and seeing them partner up. It's perfect. It's so much fun.
0: Can you give us in your best elevator pitch what the Perfectly Fine House is about?
3: Yeah, so it's, it's kind of like a haunted house story, but it's not your typical haunted house story. So the ghosts and the living still occupy the same space and it's just normal for people to see ghosts and interact with them and things like that. And there's actually, like, a, a running agency where you can rent out your human form to a ghost. So a ghost can, like, you know, be in love with a human, but they can't actually do anything physical. But if you volunteer your body, the ghost can take over for a bit. So I thought that element was hysterical and also really <laughs> weird to think about. But, yeah. hey, it works. So, like, the whole book had me laughing. But it also had, like, a lot of really heartbreaking moments. And it was just a, a mixed bag for sure. But it was really good.
0: Nice. How about you, Cassie? What's your one to five?
2: <laughs> I, I so I have one left. Um and it was The Beauty by Aaliyah Whiteley, I think is her last name. Um and it's the book that I had, it had the novella, which is The Beauty, but then it also had like this bonus um short story in it at the end. So they were both really good. Um The Beauty is like it's about a future where all of the women in the world have died and they've been like uh, just completely eradicated from the face of the earth. So now like men are trying to get by and figure out what to do. Um, also knowing that babies cannot be born. So they have like no way of like, you know, keeping the population going. Um, and then these like mushrooms start growing out of the graves and the bodies of where they've buried all the women and weird shit starts happening. (laughs) And it's, it's very strange and very, um, surreal almost but it's not written in like a really weird like dreamy way so that it's hard to follow at all it's very very easy to follow um and it was my first book that i read by Aaliyah whiteley and she's got like other ones plus ones coming out in 2021 so it's like one of those situations where like you were talking about ronald kelly you find a author that has a bunch of books that you didn't know before and now you're like whoa like i've got all this stuff to read which i think that's really cool um and then i I actually liked that one so much and it's got kind of sci-fi-ish elements so I forced it on other people. So I bought a copy for my boyfriend and then I also bought a copy for my boyfriend's best friend because they both like sci-fi stuff more than, you know, horror. Um Rich is good about it. Like he he'll he'll he's good with me. Like he's like, "Oh, I'll read it." And he reads a lot of stuff I recommend, but I was like, "You'll really like this, and it's really fucking weird. Go ahead." Like <laughs> so, um, Yeah, so it's it's one that I've been recommending a lot, especially lately because I read it in I think December. Um so if you guys haven't read that, you should definitely read it. I don't think I've
0: heard of that one. I don't think you've sent me a photo of that.
2: I'm pretty no. i
0: pretty
2: no. confident. I will. I'll grab Rich's copy that I bought from him because mine was on Kindle. I don't even have a physical copy, but I took the one. I, so I ordered it, and then it got here, and I was like, hey, surprise, got you this book. By the way, I need to take a picture for Bookstagram, so let me have it back really fast. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's how that went.
1: <laughs> Brandon, how about you, buddy? Uh, last one I want to throw out is uh, The Prisoners of Stewartville by Shannon Felton. And that was a uh, February release from Silver Shamrock that – I could see getting lost in the fold over, you know, the next 10 months. But it was, it, it's one of those stories that really, you know, there there's a surface level horror to it, but there's also kind of something a little bit more deep. It's kind of, you know, small town, hard to escape uh, horror. And, you know, Shannon Felton, this was her debut novella. And it's just one of those ones, you read it and you're like, there's no way this person, this is their first crack at storytelling. Um, they're just, they're a natural at it. And she did have a really excellent story in um, Midnight in the Pentagram. I'm going to cheat and throw an extra one in there too, which was easily one of the the, the better uh, anthologies of the year. Um, but yeah, she, I can't remember the name of her story, but she wrote it in second person, which is not always the easiest thing to pull off. Uh, but she, she nailed it. Um So Shannon Felton is definitely somebody I'm gonna I'm gonna be on the lookout for anything with her name on it going forward. And the the craziest part that Ken told
0: us when we had him back for a second time was that she wrote the first draft on her phone. The entire first draft. That's insane. Like I believe it. I know the writer mentality, but still that that alone is something uh that's just admirable.
1: As somebody who's written a story, not a novella, but a story on their phone, that part that's that's rough, and and and, and I commend her for that. But editing on her phone is where yeah. I where she gets major props from me. <laughs>
0: sure. um, now, if you guys are ready, I would love to play the uh, top three moments, and I only got one, but it's longer. It's for minutes and 15 seconds sir so so i only got one but if you guys are ready i would love to play the top three moments and start off with erica uh during a michael clark moment so um we can react to that after or you can talk during it and laugh or whatever so you guys ready for that
1: is it okay to laugh
0: i mean like if you want it's not do you
2: have,
1: do i have your permission oh.
0: I guess you can be the laugh track.
2: Can I okay. rattle off a
0: laugh?
2: <laughs> oh, my maraca. God damn it. <laughs> we had a break in everything.
0: <laughs> All right. So here we go. First moment is from Erica. It's during a Michael Clark episode. It's a little under a minute. Can't remember the exact setup, so I'm just going to play it.
6: I've been in Jihara for longer than you've been alive. But... <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, just to expand on that a little bit, like I grew up on Stephen King. Um, I'm the kind of guy that will uh, see a book on a on a shelf, and it says soon to be a major motion picture. And um, some of the movies that have sucked me into that are, was The Shining back in I think that was a 1980 movie. So the the copy of The Shining that I I read was the yellow one with the movie poster, you know, it was a paperback. Um, Loved it. Then I got way into Stephen King from, must have been, you know, 79 or 80, uh, through the Tommyknockers. And uh, then, you know, then I had kids and all that stuff and got away from everything for quite a while.
0: Okay, yeah, so that was, uh, we were asking what got him into horror, and that was his answer, so that had to be from the first time we had him on which coming back to me i think it was episode five um i don't really have anything to comment on that anyone have anything to say you can feel free to jump in
3: yeah i can definitely explain why i picked that out as my one of my top three um i think just in general you see so many people bashing the soon-to-be movie covers or the actual movie covers i've never really felt strongly one way or the other but hearing him say that i was just like well duh it's a marketing ploy like they're trying to get more people to read the book so if you recognize that you've seen the movie and it's like the you know the author or authors yeah (laughs) the actors on the cover or something like that or even if it's like a movie poster or just a random still like that's gonna draw people in so it's only more exciting in my opinion you know i don't i think i own one movie cover personally it's uh horns by joe hill because it's got daniel radcliffe on it but (laughs) you know i just think those are fun and especially if you liked the movie too like that's just cool to have different versions of the book
0: Mm. i don't see anything wrong with it
1: no definitely not and i mean i'll throw out there that my first stephen king book was the gunslinger long before they tried to make a movie out of it but the only reason i bought it was because they were talking about making a movie out of it and i thought the concept sounded interesting and then I you know bought the rest of the Dark Tower series and then the other like 84 Stephen King books um (laughs) but it like that's kind of what it took to get me hooked on it
2: I think I'm the odd one out and if I don't mention this Rich will listen to this and be like you didn't say anything (laughs) so I don't usually like movie covers just because I don't like people often with like the faces that I know. I don't mean I don't like people, but I mean on my books, you know? like person. no, because you know, like I'm just thinking like of people. so many. Like obviously, like she said, like Daniel Radcliffe if it's somebody that I like, you know. Then it's like really cool. But for the most part, um, and I like the movies. Like I'm fine watching the movies. I'm not one of those like oh the the book was better. Well, sometimes I am, I'll be honest. But overall, like I'm totally fine as thinking of them as two separate things. Um, but on my shelf, I want them to be. I think that's what it is. I want them to be two separate things. So when they combine them, I don't like that. Like when it's. The book, but then the movie cover that, I don't know, for me, like it just, I'm like, "Mm, I'll buy, I'll wait and get another one that doesn't have that on it. The one thing that I own, um, Nosferatu by Joe Hill, I have like four copies of that book and one of them is the TV series cover and it doesn't have people though. It's just got like lights and a forest. So, yeah.
0: (laughs) I'm right there with you. I mean, like, I don't really, I, I like scenic stuff or, I don't know whatever it doesn't matter i'm gonna yeah, move on it's
3: atmospheric when it's scenic. like i'm looking at the cover of the survivors by jane harper right now and it's just a beach scene and it, i think it's incredible but then on my left i have a book with a person's face and i'm just like ooh. yeah see <laughs> and it's 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 totally fine like i mean i've seen books with like people on the
2: cover that look really cool or creepy especially like in horror like you see some really spooky like thinking of a uh, um Krista Carmens you remember her collection it's got like this pig-faced woman on it with like a mask or something and like a pretty dress um that one i'm like it has got a person but i really love that cover but um and no shade to anybody who likes the movie covers because i i know people who like prefer those and i'm like more for you like i i'll get that for you as a gift and you can get me the regular one <laughs> so.
1: well it also just seems like even if the movie has a cool like poster they're still going to use like a close-up of the lead actor's face for the uh, book cover. So it's like, you know, my my Dr. Sleep is just a close-up of Ewan McGregor. (laughs) That doesn't
2: sound so bad. Sorry. Yeah. No, yeah, it's it's, it's not bad. And so I will say, though, when I, like he was mentioning how he sees the little sticker that says, like, coming soon, too. I like that, too. Like, even, I especially like that if it's on the normal cover, though. And (laughs) and then I can get that.
0: So the next moment is uh, Cassie's. Uh, she said it's Nico's episode where all of us discuss what our fa- our very first books were about as kid writers. Um, if I didn't capture the entire thing, it's the majority of it. So let's uh, let's check that out.
3: I started writing when I was in third grade, and my first <laughs> I wrote a novel about a Native American girl who was adopted by English family and did not know she was adopted and then found a bunch of artifacts in her attic that signified that she was adopted and that was the very first story I wrote.
0: That's an interesting first story. Th- wow.
2: Yeah, for <laughs> I would read that. Yeah, for a third really year, year that's, that's pretty like, wow. Yeah. That's a big world view for a
0: third Yeah, no shit. Oh,
2: I just, you know, whatever. It's just <laughs> <laughs>
0: her, for audio listeners, she just flipped her hair as if she was just a, not a snobby writer. We love
2: that energy. <laughs> <laughs> I have a
6: lot of
5: energy tonight. You
0: guys
5: are gonna get it, whether you want it or
0: not. <laughs> I love, I, I love Native American lore and history, and I, I don't think that we see enough of the actual side through Native American eyes. Um and I'm not saying it has to be written by a Native American, but in a respectful way. And it sounds like you have a really – third grade, Jesus Christ. I can't believe – I'm sorry, but that's impressive. What I did – I got uh, one of the oldest pieces I got is from the second grade where UFOs and space saucers come down. The kids like, I'm going to go to the and bag store – or not a punching bag store. Sorry, there's like a – no, I'm sorry, not a punching bag. It's like, like a punching bag. so club stupid. On a the
6: punching bag like,
0: store? I'm going to get that. Buys it, uses oh, it to punch that sky, and he wins. That's, that's cool! Yeah, well, that's
6: what a child would write. Not, and that's how
2: what you wrote. Did you see a store that was exclusively to sell those items?
6: See, little Pat's a fucking idiot.
2: <laughs> She's
0: just, that's so creative. And just... I'm, I'm just flabbergasted at the, the world difference of little Pat and little Nico. Like you are so much
6: smarter. I'd be like, you know what, though, when it comes
1: it comes down to suspension of disbelief. suspend <laughs> you your disbelief enough to uh, entertain the idea of an alien invasion. Then why not a punching glove store? <laughs> uh, if that's your biggest, if that's the biggest thing that you have trouble buying in that. Um, I'll I'll give you one better because the first story I remember her writing around that third grade range um, was also an alien invasion. But the twist at the end was that the whole thing had sprung because this this particular civilization was out of ketchup. And they were looking to replenish their supply and head back and finish their picnic. Um, (laughs) It it, it was...
2: And I love that so much.
1: Like that—that's amazing. I was gonna say somehow that sounds even worse out loud than it did in my head. And I—I
0: I cut it off. I didn't realize until now that Cassie told her side about how she's not a little, wasn't a little psycho, but wrote about uh, killing her best friend at the time. And uh, what are your thoughts on on that story?
1: Is I, I, R. I still remember Cassie's title. It was The Best Friend Feud Fight, which yes. obviously means that it was a catchy title. It is stuck <laughs> in my head. At some point, we're going to need to read that.
2: I told her. <laughs> I told her when I was 10 it was a great title. She didn't think so.
1: <laughs> she doesn't understand art, man.
2: No, she just doesn't, doesn't
1: get it. What the hell do 10 year olds man. Uh, also, can
2: annoying. I say, I totally forgot about the catch up part. Like, I remembered, I remembered the punching bag store, which is like, I was like, this is hilarious. The ketchup. Oh my God. That was back to back gold. Like, oh man, we should have all, but we, I wish we could have had like a writing club as like little children. It would have been fantastic.
0: That would have been great for the longest time. I thought it was like going to be a loser loner because I was the only one that knew that enjoyed writing the way I do. And then I found Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) So the. The next one I was going to pick, but Brennan said I'd like that. So I said, all right, well, it's your show, so y- you get it, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, <my> it's with <laughs> your face is on the logo. So it is, uh, it's with I Michael David. Hair.
2: What'd you say? I said, I have hair. That's not me on the logo. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't, I think, I feel like there's something different about that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> He's often not angry. You're, you're uh, integrated south for the winter.
0: <laughs> i'm getting more white hair like i looked in the mirror every time i look in the mirror i got more white hair spreading on my blacks i hate it
1: welcome to having children
0: yeah <laughs> so this one is with michael david wilson uh he is someone that and i know i could speak for Brennan here me and Brennan look up to him and bob pastorella and this is our to show that we strive to be um similar to as far as just coming off as professionals for once in our life (laughs) but uh since we started recording video i uh i'm used to texting brennan and saying hey bathroom break because uh i got a little bladder apparently and well let's hear what michael david wilson had to say about me uh just walking out of the room that's a good question
5: i can say (laughs) i we're watching video, and I just
1: need to acknowledge that Patrick has left. Since he's not here to hear us talk about him, uh, you know, he, he he doesn't always drink on the air because he, uh, you know, can't always hold a coherent thought, as long-time <laughs> listeners will know from the episodes that he announces that he's drinking on the show. He also, uh, you know, can't hold his bladder, so he's run off to the little boy's room,
5: and he's going to be so thrilled that I told everybody. it's my fault for acknowledging it but it it was just it was amusing because he almost seemed to run like (laughs) like, oh god you need you need to go that much anyway maybe this will be edited out but it it probably won't because i've heard some bits with with, with you particularly when you spoke to max booth and i think there was an acknowledgement that you might edit something and it didn't so this this is going in we're live, motherfuckers, in here. I'm not here waiting down the That means no. Yeah. Nobody's keeping track <back> of it. <laughs> I'll, I'll let, hey, hey, Patrick. So um, I acknowledge <laughs> to everyone that you just backed off for a bit, but don't worry, oh, I, I haven't, I, I, I haven't right. answered the question yet. So oh, you what get to, to hear it. That's, that's what you get for being... I'm <laughs> no, <I'm laughs> leaving. I text leaving. <laughs> I know I've faced you on right from the time because we
1: really just talked about you going to the bathroom the entire
6: time you were gone um, yeah, so I text Brennan uh, Patrick takes a pee break at
5: 9.43 oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> okay so i forgotten, do you remember it? hang on what the fuck did you ask me? <laughs> it was a good question. I remember that. Hang on, did it take me a long time to basically have these organic conversations and get that, get Thanks. that skill yeah. going? Yeah. Okay. Let me. <laughs> let me take a moment to. for that not did <laughs> not, not find it funny that Patrick left for a bit. I don't even know why I find that so funny. It's yeah, I like, <laughs> Not that amusing. What's that you drink it? Yeah, I think it has. There you go. All of beverage, seltzer water, cranberry mm. wine. I think mm. it
1: has. with the fact that he doesn't like disappear off the side of the screen, but you get to
5: see. and run away. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So. What's the I question? mean, I think. Whoa if you That's listen it. to my answer you can work it out <laughs>
7: the question the question me, yeah, was <laughs> the
5: question was whether it came quite naturally for me to, to have these organic conversations or whether it was something that I had to work on so, yeah yeah <laughs> You you fucking off has derailed this so much, I oh, hope that's... you're gonna I hope you're gonna make a mark to, to edit this out and then continue with me answering the question. Yeah, probably. <laughs> right. out. Yeah. So <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> shut it up. We'll, we'll get on with it. <clears throat>
0: What do Where are you guys' thoughts on that? It's so My, stupid. I,
1: I want to remind uh, listeners that all of these episodes will be up on YouTube. So if you want to watch Patrick fucking <laughs> off, because we am laughing so hard because there was a little bit of shuffle to it. Like if you're watching this episode on YouTube, yeah, you, know, you you've changed location since then. We can't see the door behind you. <laughs> if you get up, you're going to disappear off to the side of the screen. But on that episode boom, straight back. We see you out into the hall in your little shorts. Uh, <laughs> little shorts. I know the little shorts. shorts. Well, my, my biggest takeaway from that is that at that point in the episode, when uh, Michael would say something along the lines of, that's a good question, I didn't realize yet, because he would reveal to us later that that was a stalling tactic so that he could think of it. <laughs> I, I thought it was a good question. So he, like, built up my ego, and I'm like, oh, I did ask a good question. I am smart. But then, you know, he's like, oh, I'll say things like that just so, you know, I can think about what I'm going to (laughs) say. Motherfucker. (laughs) It's
0: British, man. They're smarter than us, I guess
3: it's oh, such a good method because i stumble over what i'm saying all the time because i'm trying to think and talk at the same time and then i just completely screw up what i'm saying i might have to start doing that
2: <laughs> i talk so fast i don't give myself enough time to think i'm like i got to say this thing really really quickly and then spit it out and now i'm done and then there's like this really long awkward silence after
0: huh. <laughs> so, so <Yeah>. then uh, <laughs> <laughs> i just thought it's funny cuz i didn't even think twice about it and he was he just yeah, had just a, he had a ball with uh, me peeing. Um <laughs> the next one is uh one of Erica's. It's about it's the same episode as Nico's and it's just uh about a little over a minute talking about Brennan's uh pen name, his is um Lafargo <laughs> or LaFoe or whatever. I just ruined it. Here we go. <laughs> I'm your host Patrick R. McDonough, joined always by my co-host Brennan Lefaro. Say hello, Brennan. Hello, everybody. Did you almost just butcher my name again? It's been that. like six months. <laughs> yeah, listen to the first episodes. And our guest host Cassie Daly. Say hi, Cassie. Hello. We have a fun, bouncy special guest. And I guess, in case anyone took that the wrong way, I mean that with love. <laughs> All right. Nico Bell, she's a writer, reviewer, editor, and now, I believe now, it's it wasn't before, right? Now you're also a publisher.
3: Yes! Yes, I am! I'm very excited! And I also got Brennan's name wrong, but I actually <laughs> did it um, publicly when I announced the writers to my <laughs> anthology. His last name is actually, I think it was La Fargo or
1: something like that, or LaFo, which I think La-ho, is now which sounds... Yeah. That's a cool villain name, honestly. <laughs>
6: I'm
3: just helping you out, man. I'm just yeah. you out. From now on, your name is Brennan LaFoe,
0: so official. It was interesting. In case anyone forgot about or did not listen to the episode, now they've heard it. Brennan, how do you feel about having uh, three ways to say your last name?
1: <laughs> if my name was actually LaFoe, I would feel like I would need to take a drag on a cigarette every time I said it. Lafau. <laughs> <Lefaux. laughs> it would need an E instead of an A, too be friends true yeah what a fun episode that was for you you introduced our guest and then you immediately had to apologize for the way you introduced our guest
2: yeah he apologized a lot that episode
1: (laughs) yeah i'm glad nico's
0: nice
2: (laughs) she's great she was really fun to have on the show
0: yeah um you know what i guess we'll move on to the next one this next one's cassie's it's with sa cosby talking about beauregard from blacktop wasteland as a character the way pressure of family and outside sources can shape who a person is and how things can influence a character's behavior in a book let's have a listen
4: Beauregard actually started as a character in a short story that i wrote for a crime magazine called thug lit and he was such an interesting character that short story got uh, it was a distinguished uh, mystery, uh It was a distinguished Best American Mystery Short Story of the year in 2016, and I was just fascinated with his character because, like you said, the arc—he is this very competent, very tough, uh, very uh, hard man, if you if you will—but inside that is a really damaged little boy that you know loves his dad that loves his mom, even though she can be mean as a snake. And the complexity of those feelings and how they crash into each other. And what does that do to you as an adult? How do you deal with that? How do you navigate those com- the complexities of those feelings? And you know, I think for Beauregard, he is—he's like a lot of guys that I knew growing up that violence wasn't their only answer, but it was always an option because they learned early on that for for certain for a certain segment of community, a certain segment of population. You know, some, sometimes people just don't understand anything except punch to the mouth. And I, I don't mean to be flippant with that, but that, that you you exist in a town or a small area and you, you have the weight of, you know, generations of history on your back. And that's the thing about a small town. The good thing about a small town is everybody knows who you are. The bad thing about a small town is everybody knows who you are. And so sometimes you can't outrun, you know, your your legacy, the legacy of your name, the legacy of your family. And that type of pressure Creates a certain type of individual like Beauregard, um, but at the same time, I wanted him to be—I wanted him to be, be you know, I'm not fragile, but I wanted him to be vulnerable. I wanted him to, you know, I wanted people to feel when he sits in that that duster. There's a dust there's a car in the book called uh, a Plymouth Duster that belonged to his father. And when he sits in that car and how he he feels this loss for his dad and how he feels this the, these these lost opportunities that he has as a person. I wanted those things to influence how he behaves and why he makes the decisions that he makes they're not always great decisions but they come from a very honest place and so that's where uh that's basically where he came from now
1: i uh i read an interview that you did um i think it was uh with david joy maybe and forgive me if i'm misquoting you but you said something along the lines of uh beauregard could He's he's the man you could become if you made the wrong
4: choices. I wonder if you could tell us a little more about that. Yeah, I mean, well, I've said this in interviews before, and I've been accused of trying to sound like a badass. I'm not a badass, but I grew up in a hyper-masculine environment. Uh, My mother and father separated when I was young. We moved in with my grandmother, and my grandmother and my uncle and my grandfather and a lot of male relatives around me that that tried to step up and be a father for me when my father wasn't able to. But they had they were they were men that were pressed upon by race and class and poverty. And so like I said, their answer to a lot of questions was a punch to the mouth. And you know, I grew up I had a really I had a chip on my shoulder. I had a bad temper. And I you know I got in a lot of bite I got in a lot of school bus fights. I lost some, I won some we grew up behind a bar, and so we used to sneak into this bar, and, you know, alcohol and testosterone usually leads to violence. And so I grew up in this very hyper-masculine, toxic, tragic uh, of masculinity. And so I, it was, I had to do a lot of concerted soul-searching and work to not... Make the mistakes that Beauregard made, you know, and, and I still have a bit of a chip on my shoulder. I have terrible road rage, and I, I'm I, I have I have, a, I, have a, I have a short fuse when it comes to when I feel like I'm being disrespected. But at the same time, I've also learned that those decisions have you know incredibly heavy consequences, and so I, I've channeled my rage. I've channeled my simmering rage into my writing, so. <laughs> Anyone feel free to jump in?
2: I just, like, he's got such a good, like, podcast radio voice. Like, he sounds like I would listen to him, like, narrate all of his own books. Like, it's such a good voice.
0: Yeah, he, you know, you seem to ask him anything throughout the whole episode. He's just like, I'm going to be excited about this. Here's why. And he's super smart. Yes. Very smart guy.
1: I I think you know, that, that episode was something like, you know, that was over two hours, and I don't remember a single instant that I was, uh, you know, could even pretend I felt bored. Um, (laughs) Unless I'm missing something, I'm a little disappointed that nobody picked the moment where he uh, talks about how he was semi-named after Sean Connery. I thought about it. Oh,
2: that's such a good one. I should have picked that, but then I would have had two from him.
1: I know, right? Um, But the one thing I will say, I love that whole clip. It was a long one, but I think it's worth it because um, it's so easy to uh, rope uh, on the surface level, rope a book like Blacktop Wasteland in with uh, characters like Alex Cross, like um, Lee Childs, Jack Reacher, where it's it's a six foot five guy who's, you know, made of muscle and knows how any firearm on the planet works. And his character... (laughs) had a pimple when he was 13 um and, and it just like a perfect specimen fighting machine to 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 hear about how he put beauregard together how his character came together it just made it so much more real and you get that sense when you read the book but to hear the kind of behind the scenes i uh, was well worth our time yeah absolutely
0: so So, okay, I guess we're moving on to the next one, which would be Brennan. Uh, He wanted to have the clip about when we talked with Gabino, saying basically no one gives a fuck about your book. But let's listen to Gabino's elegant ways of putting it.
6: I teach a a workshop titled uh, Book Marketing uh, with No Budget. And uh, the, the, we start with a series of truths, and uh, the first devastating truth in that workshop is you wrote a book. You put, you put your time, effort, your talents, you, you put your, uh, uh, your time, uh, you, you took time away from doing things that you enjoy in life to work on that book. And now it's out, and guess what? Nobody
7: gives a fuck. Nobody, <laughs>
6: <laughs> Nobody gives a rat's ass about your another book. Jesus Christ. Uh, we got Hulu and Prime and Netflix and <laughs> politics and sports and significant others and a stack of bills that looks like a stack of pancakes. Fuck your book, man. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> um, so it's your, it's your job. After you write it and the things out, it's your job to say, hey, this is an escape from reality. This is a good thing. I have something to say. It's good enough to get public. You should totally read it. When you wake up in the morning, you have to set, you know, some kind of standard for yourself. It's like today I will try to get one new reader. You got 24 hours to do it. Let me try to get one new reader. Maybe they hate it. Fine. You know, they tried it out. You should be thankful. Uh, But maybe I have a a reader that's going to check out my next book, and that's how you build a readership. Uh, if you you write your book and you sit at home and you wait for people to discover it, which is one of those things that I keep hearing about, like the book will find its audience. Fuck you, the book ain't got no legs. book's not gonna do anything by itself. It's like I have an Etsy store and I haven't told anyone. I'm sure people will find it. No, they won't. There, there's a billion Etsy stores. You need to tell people about it so they can find it and go there and invest their money. Uh, so this whole thing is like, yes, be humble. Uh, yes, be honest about what you're offering people. I've, I've never hidden the fact that there's a ton of Spanish in there, uh, that it's incredibly political and incredibly violent. Uh, <laughs> but if that's your thing. Come on, I got, I got pages for you. Come spend some time with me. Um, and, and that's uh, that. That's how you do it. It's, it's not. I don't see any other way. Uh, I don't think any other way uh, fits unless you have. You know, marketing department behind you, doing all of that work for you, and spending thousands and thousands of dollars getting you uh, put putting your book cover on the side of the bus and getting you ads on TV and, and taking out newspaper ads. Unless that's happening, it's all on you. So go out and do it. <laughs> that was even better than I remembered.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, well, what more can you say?
1: So I mean, first of all, um, I I, want to say big credit to Erica because I think she was the sorry Cassie. I think she was the only one of us who gave Pat like these complete timestamps of places where he could find the uh, different parts of the episodes that we we were talking about. So you know, I I know I I gave Pat a vague idea of what (laughs) I wanted. My moments made him dig through freaking two hour episodes uh and find the right spots for stuff like that so you know big props to him because you know i'm i I rip on him a lot on on when we're when we're on the air but you know he works hard and he's he's an awesome guy but as far as the club is concerned um shut up um (laughs) (laughs) fuck you
2: (laughs) also i was gonna say i'm pretty sure i gave him like a general i was like a minute and a half ish Into the
0: episode. I I didn't want to make him feel bad, so I just rolled
1: with it. Um, (laughs) As far as the clip goes, you know, I've got a book coming out in August or July of this year, I think August. And I am not a an in-your-face person. I am not somebody who, left to my own devices, is gonna go out there and pimp my book. And hearing Gabino kind of put it into those terms, like it's not it's not arrogant to go out and do that. It's not boastful it's not um you know yelling to the heavens that i am the greatest person that god ever put on this earth it's necessary um is something that i absolutely needed to hear and something that i am planning and hoping to put into practice later this year to make people good and sick of hearing about my goddamn book
3: yeah i really like what you guys started doing I don't know if it's still going on, but um, when you gave like a shout out at the beginning of what you've been working on or what's coming up, like I know you gave a shout out to the Shiver anthology that's coming up. I love when people do that because I forget Mm -hmm. all the time too. So like I have a running list of all the books I'm looking forward to in 2021. And Brennan, I have your book and Cassie, I also have Rosie on there. So, you know, the more that kind of like gets into everybody's head, the better. I think it's awesome. And it's always something that like, especially in the horror book community, everyone celebrates it. So it doesn't come off as super braggy like at all. Yeah, no, I
2: agree with that. And I will say I have a crappy memory. Brennan, can you please just keep doing it? Do not think you're being annoying. And that goes for Pat, you too. And then Erica, if you do anything, obviously, like whether it's writing or podcast stuff or anything like I, you guys see how much stuff I post online and like, I have to, because if I do not post, if I don't market it, nobody else will. And I will not make sales and I will not be able to pay my bills. Like, it's just a fact of the matter. And like, so on one hand, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be annoying, but on the other hand, I'm like, you want me to stop? Like, buy my stuff. Like, (laughs) you know, so like, I mean, it, I think there's it's so important what he's saying because he he does it. He's not just saying to do it. He does it. We watch him do it and it works for him. And I think that's really really important. And Brennan, please just keep posting about your book so I do not like miss it. I need to get it as soon as it's out. Like I'm going to be like, this is my friend's book. Look at this and like holding it up <laughs> and stuff. So I'm so excited for it.
1: <laughs> well, I will say as far as that promo we put in front of the last like three or four episodes of season 1, you know, we 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 both talked about it and we we thought it was so cool that the fact that we both had uh, stories coming out in physical—you can hold it in your hand—books, uh, and they were coming out within a week of each other. Yeah. Um and, and at first, it was like, "Is this too much if we promote it?" And the general attitude was completely and utter. And I think we even said it in the promo: "Completely inspired by Gabino. Fuck it, this is our show." Um, <laughs> and. Before you get any before you get any advice from Aaron Drys or before you get to hear from Sean Cosby about Blacktop Wasteland, you're gonna listen to me shill my goddamn book. It comes out in a month. <laughs>
0: um. Yeah. Well said. So the next one, Erica literally said any part of the host episode. Uh, I really didn't know where to pick, so I just picked the end where. Uh, Jed Shepard tells us how he feels about Skype.
5: Skype is so weird. <laughs> Skype is so weird. <laughs> we can talk all about that if you want. <laughs> We're
6: contact to <with> Zoom. So <laughs> I'm so I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm just I'm just a little
5: silly man that knows how to use basic communicational tools. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> Zoom is so much easier. Zoom is so much easier than Skype. It is
6: just really user friendly. I just thought, I saw that you have to like, equal that's why I was like, oh, I don't know. Or am I wrong? No. Oh, it's
5: free. Yeah. Yeah. And if it's right. one, it's free forever, but if there's more than two people, then yeah, you have to pay over 40 minutes. Okay. I've got to yes. be honest though, I feel like it's easier to talk in a group on this because like, I can hear what multiple people are saying at the same time, whereas on Zoom, it's like the other person gets silenced <laughs> if someone else is talking. That's
6: is Emma God? Because, like, I can't see her, but I want
5: to look up. <laughs> okay, I'm not I'm not good second. today. Emma, <laughs> can I make this video? Host will be dead and gone by the next year. <laughs> 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 Don't do this. Are you I looking at that? Can't it. Oh, no, no pressure. No, really. God, we, we were drinking yesterday because it was our wrap party, and today I look... <laughs> oh. <laughs> so <I'm> happy. Happy. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a happy... <laughs> oh. <laughs>
0: So, in case you're listening to this way down the line beyond 2021, in 2020 there was this movie called Host, and it pretty much was the most successful horror movie of that year because they hit light, had lightning in a bottle, led them to three uh, film deals with Bloomhouse, um, they being Jed Shepard and his partner Rob Savage. The other two ladies in that was Haley Bishop. She's the main actress of Host. Host not being um, Bong Jong-ho's creature feature. Host being the uh, one on Zoom where it's a... Uh, what's that called again? Brennan? The, or whoever wants to jump in. It's, um, you know, you get together, you speak to spirits. A
5: seance?
0: Yeah, so it's a seance on Zoom. That's why it was kind of funny that he was talking about skype it skype's free that's why i use it um the other the other lady uh the other actress was emma webb uh emma louise webb um so just a lighthearted one
1: now erica i'm curious why you picked that what what, what, what was it about that uh, episode that made you pick that as one of your three
3: yeah so that was kind of a selfish one on my part um because You know, when you you guys are talking to authors and stuff like that, I add their books to my TBR. Most often, I'm actually buying one, even though trying to cut down on my book buying budget for a little bit because I went (laughs) crazy in 2020. But for that one, I hadn't gotten a subscription to Shudder yet, even though I kept telling myself I was going to. And then I think, Brennan, at one point you were just like, "Okay, hold on, everybody, stop. If you haven't actually watched Host yet, what are you doing listening to this? And I was like, oh, no, he's talking to me. So I paused it (laughs) and I went and I got Shudder and now I'm obsessed. I watch like a movie at least once a week. It's so cool. It's like, you know, I have Netflix, I have Hulu, I have things like that, but More often than not, I'm on Shudder. I just think that's such a a good platform because it's so hard to find good horror stuff. Like, I know Hulu and Netflix are kind of stepping up, but to have all the, like, what are they called? Exclusives or whatever for Shudder, I love that. That's so cool.
1: Well, for uh, audio listeners, I am currently emailing Shudder asking for my cut.
2: I love that she's like you told me to stop listening, and I did. Cool, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, that's some kind of technique. Like, uh, good job, I listeners. <laughs> I, I,
1: I will say, I love that. Ep- that episode is special to me just because, even though we talked, we we've talked to a lot of authors who I hold in very high regard. Um, that was an episode where, about five minutes before it started. We found out that two of the actresses that were in that movie were going to be on that call because originally <laughs> it was just Jed Shepard. So, for it to go from we're going to talk about the guy who wrote the script to we're going to have two people who were on my TV last night uh, on the call, um, that it was intimidating. Not going to lie, Pat. Uh, thoughts?
0: I was the most intimidated on that show. Uh, the only other times have been intimidated and Brennan seemed to be the only one that noticed was when we started talking Josh Mallerman. Um, and who else? I'll probably be that way with Keen. I don't see how it won't be, but, uh, yeah, it was interesting. Jed Shepard was like, I got a podcast. I know what it's like to try to get people. I mean, he talked to Doug Bradley. So like, I don't know how the hell he did that, but Jed's going somewhere far. Him and Rob Savage are going to be well known. Um, probably within the next five years. That'd be my bet. Uh, like I said, they got three uh, film deal with Bloomhouse. It's one of the biggest names out there for this genre. Uh, my thoughts are we were lucky. It felt special. And they said of the, <laughs> the three episodes, uh, three podcasts they did that day, ours was the favorite. I don't think they were just messing around with us because it felt like a group of friends talking. Um, so, those are my thoughts.
2: They on did that three one. podcasts in a day.
0: They were doing a shitload.
2: Oh my gosh.
0: Have you heard Jed Shepard talk? That guy can talk forever.
2: Well, I just <laughs> did.
7: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, the next one from Cassie, we got three more left, is uh, another from the same episode with Gabino. And the way that Cassie described this was my hair discussion. And Pat mentioned he's offended <laughs> because of basically lacking it. Ha 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 ha, and the rainbow discussion.
2: (laughs) Did you just, but ha 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 was part of my
0: thing? Here's that.
2: Also,
6: they called you the most colorful star, and when he said colorful, there was like a pregnant pause. Pause
0: Pausing real quick, it's going to replay when I hit play again. But to give listeners the uh backstory on that, is basically I introduced. Cassie in the beginning of that episode as the uh, most colorful star in the galaxy or universe. Because it's true.
6: Also, they called you the most colorful star. And when he said colorful, there was like a pregnant pause. And I was like, this is awesome because we're going to talk about her hair. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I hope at some point we, we veer the competition uh, in that direction. Um, so, yeah, fingers crossed.
2: We have a whole so, segment dedicated to hair just for all so of
5: us. Just have. To-
6: uh, <laughs> actually actually I uh, find that
0: very uh, <laughs> offensive and I think you guys want that <laughs> so staring to Cassie uh, let's talk about your hair real quick gabino <laughs> what questions do you have
6: I, I remember uh, seeing an Instagram photo and uh, thinking her hair had I was you know I have an old crappy phone and I was like how's she getting her hair? To blend into the background uh, I was outside it was very sunny I couldn't see and then uh, you know I, I walked past a little bit of shadow there was a little bit of shadow and I saw the photo and it was her hair in front of her uh, multi-colored Stephen King collection and it wasn't her hair blending into the background it was a different thing uh, and I've been a fan of her hair ever ever since <laughs>
2: I think it's my hoodie, too, because I have a rainbow hoodie. And I stood in front of rainbow yeah, I think books you have a rainbow, rainbow everything. Yeah. yeah,
3: yeah. It's my
2: thing. <laughs> it makes me happy to see. So you get, like, a little mood boost every time you look in, like, air. Just, like, catch a glance yeah. of all your books on the shelf. It's nice. <laughs> have right. any of you seen,
0: any of you guys ever seen a double rainbow? Because I saw that for the first time this summer. And I
1: was, I was mesmerized. Like, yeah, well, <laughs> look. Um, <laughs> yeah. buddy, why don't you jump in, buddy? Uh, are we done talking about the hair? Because I have stuff to add there. Um, I, I mean, I, I would certainly just put in, you know, all about that positive boost. I mean, when it's just me and you, Patrick, I mean, we depress our guests. We're just, we're awful just this. We, we bring Cassie on to uh, add that little extra bounce and, and that, that smile and that double rainbow. So, I mean, do, do you guys want to talk about Cabino or just Cassie?
2: no. <laughs> we're
1: here for him, not my Now we're talking about you again,
0: Cassie. I what are your so thoughts?
2: <laughs> no, I like he's so nice. He's like super, super friendly. And I yeah. remember I had that moment like you were just talking about Josh Mallerman and the host people. I had that with Kevino and I was like <laughs> so nervous about talking to him. And I, I've taken a one of his workshops with him because um over the summer, somebody donated a workshop for me. I don't know who, but so if they're listening, thank you. <laughs> but, um, it was donated and I got to take one and I was so nervous through it. And then I, even after that, I was like, okay, like he's super nice. I know that now it's totally fine. And then still the closer we got to that podcast episode, I was like, oh God, we're going to talk to a gabino like, oh God, like, and I was getting so nervous. And then, um, he was just super nice immediately started like, just joking and like laughing and like I was completely like put at ease and I was like oh okay this is like a friendly conversation cool it's not I mean it's like an idol you know like somebody you look up to but at the same time it's like oh he's just regular like me we can talk like normal people
0: (laughs) absolutely Uh, okay (laughs) I thought Brennan or Erica was gonna say something
1: the only thing I'll throw in is you know Cassie when we we had you on for your solo episode before you did any uh guest hosting stints yeah, we taught one, one conversation we had was about uh, books you would recommend to people kind of new to the horror genre and you threw out coyote songs and I made it a point to read that and it was well worth every second of my time. I th- you know that was one I did not throw out as a favorite that I read this year and I don't know why because it, it was great. It was five stars. it was everything. Um, you know, I could sit here and try and describe it for the next twenty minutes, but I'm just going to throw out everything and just say that's and leave it at that.
2: I'm glad, I'm glad you liked it because I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm hyping this up too much, and I thought about it. I was like, No, nah, I'm not. Read it. Go read it.
0: <laughs> I remember one bad thing about it. So the last one of Brennan's is uh, Jonathan Jan's talking about telling people you appreciate them and getting kind of heated about it. That's how he worded it, but. To uh, put it in Jonathan Jer- Jonathan, Jer- Jonathan Jans's <laughs> terms, he's not the kind of guy that his getting angry would be, like, probably are getting angry. Here is the <laughs> kindest man in the horror
7: community. I had a regret the other day. I just started thinking about it. And This is a little bit tangential. But I, I feel like I should say it because I've never said it anywhere else. You know, I think that we try to be, most of us, we try to be thoughtful, we try to think about other people, but we still say stupid things and we say things we regret. I realized, like, back in my early 30s, mid-30s, I, I, I kind of thoughtlessly, because I have friends who decided that they did not want to um, have kids, mm. and, you know, and I, that's, that's such a personal area for people. And I would sit there and ask them, why don't you want to have kids? Um, and and I, my tone was implying that, you know, like, what's, why, why wouldn't you want to have kids? And and that was so, um, that just, and this doesn't have anything to do with this conversation, but it's just a thought I had the other day. That was so thoughtless of me to talk about it like that, because it's, it's you know, there are people who lead amazing lives that, that they don't have kids and they're perfectly happy. And um I should never have said things in that way to certain friends because I feel like I put undue pressure on them or I made them feel bad, you know because there are a billion reasons not to have kids um, so you know one size doesn't fit all um, in my particular experience, you know it's I can't imagine my life without it, but I, I wish looking back, that's a mistake I made in a few conversations. I wish I never would have said that to people, you know just because I I feel like I was really, just um obtuse because <laughs> we're talking about family remind yeah me. yeah that came to me when i was like getting out of the shower the other bit i'm like you're such a jerk <laughs> why, <is that? laughs> why did you say that to people <laughs> well i'm sure it comes from a
0: sure it comes from a good place where you're like it makes me happy so why would to make them happy
7: yeah yeah i'm sure you i'm sure they would get that I hope so. I hope so. But, you know, I just like it, just, I don't know, because I think we're also, I, I like, I'm in my head all day. I see through my lens all day. And no matter how hard I try to be empathetic, I sometimes forget to be. And I sometimes forget to put myself in the other person's place. So thank you for letting me get that off my chest. It's just yeah. a, it's a regret I had the other day, and I've never said it before. I don't even think I've said it to my wife, but I just kind of wanted to say it. So thank you. Brendan, what
0: do you think about that? Why'd you pick that clip?
1: Yeah, and, and and he would go on to say that like when when he tells people that mean a lot to him, um, whether whether it be close personal people or writers uh, or or really any you know any creator uh, that what they've created means a lot to him. There's a certain shyness about it at first, and I certainly feel that I'm like I said, I'm not a super outgoing person, so even just. Leaving a, a a Twitter comment on somebody saying, "Hey, I loved your book." Um, <laughs> he said that's so shy. Um. So, but but him kind of uh, going on to say that when he would, you know, think about uh, about telling somebody what their book, what their work meant to him, uh, initially he would worry about what other people would think. They would think he was he was kissing butts or whatever. And he just kind of came to the conclusion, like, I don't, I, I don't, if you think that I'm kissing ass by telling this guy that his book uh, made my life a little bit more livable, made me, um, made me relax when I was going through a stressful time or anything like that. I don't, if you think that that makes me a kiss ass, then I don't give a shit what you think. He didn't <laughs> say, I don't give a shit because he would never say the S word. But, um, just that that whole idea of being able to tell somebody that wrote a book that meant a lot to you that it meant a lot to you without having to worry about are they going to think I'm ridiculous i think that's important you know and to to be able to tell people that they've created something meaningful i can't imagine getting to a level where you're going to write off somebody saying that what you've created has a lot of meaning in my life.
0: Yeah. No, definitely the greatest compliment you could get as a creator of any kind. Okay. Uh,
1: Cass is ex- four minute long or.
2: Oh, huh. no. Oh, sorry. No, I, I was just going to say about that thing. I thought it was really nice what he was saying about the kids thing. Cause like you do see a lot of people who say stuff like that. And like, there are people even who maybe who don't choose that, but like just can't, have kids or something like that. And it's always like you do hear stuff from like from people who don't realize or don't know and they speak insensitively without knowing. So I think it's nice that he he maybe spoke insensitively without knowing. And then when he knew better, was like, hey, like this is something that I I should probably say something about or address or, you know, like, I don't know, something like that. Also, I just as an unrelated thing. Like he he has a few kids and his family is just gorgeous. Like his whole family is so beautiful. Like I was scrolling through like Facebook or Instagram the other day and um it was just like a little family portrait from over the holidays popped up. And I was like, Rich, look at this family. Like, aren't they so beautiful? they like, they're a perfect family. Like, and he's so nice, like just so nice. And every book i read by him, I love. I just, it's so cool when you can get to know authors and get to know their thoughts and their like the stuff behind their books. Because if you read his books, there's some brutal and sometimes some weird stuff in them. And it's, and then you speak to him and he's so nice and so respectful. And it's like, I don't know.
3: It's just really cool. I like him a lot. He's a cool guy.
0: All right. Uh, Eric, you got anything to add or
3: yeah (laughs) there's so much just from that clip and then what brendan was summarizing at the end but the whole discussion around kids is a little sticky for me right now because we've been trying for a while and it hasn't been working yet so um i'm i feel like in from what i'm experiencing like this past year it's very obvious when people are saying it in like a nice like, hey, I have a kid, it would be so exciting if you did too kind of thing. So I feel like that's probably how his comment came off. Um, but it's very clear when the people are being rude about it. And they're like, you know, TikTok things like that, that just sends me off the edge. And I, I can't deal with it. Because I've had a lot of that, like, between co workers and family members just being like, hey, you're not getting any younger, you turned 30. Like, come on. I'm just like, well, <laughs> trying. It's not as easy as you think it is. Sorry. <laughs> so. That's
0: that's that's annoying. That's fucked yeah. up.
1: And is there really ever an appropriate time to imply that or straight out say it? That's no.
3: Right. I was no. like, unless you're my husband, I don't really want to hear it. Like, sorry, because he's the only other one involved in the whole process. But yeah, it's such a weird thing. And and like Cassie was saying too, like some people don't even mm-hmm. want kids. Like. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of rude to just assume that they want kids. Like I had a friend who was having a really hard time because she got married and her mom was on her back like immediately just being like, OK, where's my grandbaby? And she's like, I've told you so many times I am not interested in having kids. Yeah. And it comes yeah. across as like a, a selfish thing to some people, but it shouldn't be because if they don't want kids, they don't want kids. It's their decision. So yeah, it's their
1: life. When yeah. You have kids, it's not.
3: <laughs> not yeah. My- thing coming back around.
1: My, my mom had four kids, and um, my grandmother had said to her, my, my father's mother had said to her when they got married, a life without children is a life wasted. And even though she wanted kids, even though she ended up having four, that always stuck with her. You know, even even 40 years later, um, it's still something that she remembers. It's just that the, the overall judgy tone of well, this is my life, so it's the right choice for everybody. And it's just—it's not.
0: <laughs> Catholicism yeah, it's at its finest. Yeah. <laughs> it's that side of the family. So the last clip, it's almost four and a half minutes long, but I promise it's...
1: It's,
0: not a, a-, it's, it, it's a heavy one, but I think it's awesome. It's worth listening to. It's when we recorded the uh, One of us episode where we talk with Kenneth Kane and Todd Keeslin about their anthology for Frank Michaels Arrington. I never knew him. I don't think anyone that uh, is on this episode knew him. Kind of wish it did. I really wish it did. but um, this is about Todd meeting him for the first time. and yeah, I just hope it makes whoever listens to this check out the anthology. Get to know Frank Michael in a little bit. What are your, what's your favorite or group of favorite memories
8: of Frank? Ken, if you don't mind, I'll start.
5: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
8: okay. Uh, so my favorite in memory of Frank is one that I shared in the, I share in the foreword. Um, it's where the title comes from, and. You know, it's the it's really the first time I ever talked to Frank. And uh so twenty sixteen, I'm at Nikon, first time. Uh Joe Hill is there, I am terrified. <laughs> <laughs> uh I'm feeling like a fish out of water. I, I don't you know, I don't know what the hell I'm doing there. I don't belong. I'm you know, kind of falling back on those old insecurities from school and whatnot. And uh you know i had just signed a a, a two-book deal with crystal lake but nobody really knew who the hell i was so you know i'm there with some friends but i can't find them i'm you know don't know where they are Uh, i have anxiety so i'm starting to panic a little bit and i'm walking through the hotel lobby i'm on my phone trying to find a signal because the signal at that place in rhode island is horrible and uh you know, I hear this voice and I said, how you doing, Todd? And I look across the lobby and it's Frank and he'd been sitting in a chair watching me and kind of <laughs> fret. And I, you know, I kind of was freaking out and, you know, just telling him something to kind of, you know, brush him off and just, you know, I don't really want to go into my issues to a complete stranger right now. So, um, in a nutshell, cause I'm, I'm waffling here basically he said you know you don't you don't have to, to worry about anything you know you're, you're among your kind here you know, you're one of us and it was so it was such a simple thing to say especially for a guy that really I, uh, until that moment only knew as a name on Facebook um, it was such a simple thing for a stranger to say But that resonated with me. And I came away from that weekend for the first time feeling like an author and not just some, you know, amateur writer trying to make it. I I felt like I had something to say and contribute and that I was a part of something. And I attribute that to Frank. So. You know that was the really the first time I ever spoke to him, or first time he ever spoke to me, you know, in person. And you know it. I wish I'd known him longer. I wish I'd known him when I was a kid. I wish I'd known him when I was in my twenties, um, because I feel like that man only had good in him, and the influence he could have with that goodness uh you know i feel like he what he did for me i i i I would like to believe he did for other young authors who were just getting started you know give gave them that not necessarily a boost in confidence but just a a boost in my guess maybe i do mean boosting confidence (laughs) just a means of believing in themselves a little bit and just kind of relaxing and thinking, you know what? You do belong here. You know, you're not, you're not the weirdo here. We're all weirdos here. (laughs) And you know, you, you belong, you know, you don't need to feel like you're an outcast. You don't need to feel like you walked into the wrong room you're talking to the wrong people. Um, and that's, that's kind of how I look at Frank. I mean, in general, it was this, 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 this level of comfort.
0: It's hard to follow that up because it's just for me anyways, it's super powerful. Like how often do you meet someone in your life that
1: means that much to you?
2: Was that rhetorical?
1: It sounded rhetorical. I know
2: I thought so, but then there was a silence.
0: I don't, it can mean whatever the fuck you guys want it to mean.
2: No, that was that was really that was a really nice clip. I it, it didn't even feel as long because you guys were like, oh, it's four minutes, four minutes, but it it went by really quickly, and I thought that was really nice. Um, obviously, like you said, I didn't know him, but um, definitely seems like something that I would have benefited from knowing.
0: Seems like everyone could have.
3: Yeah, and his story about you know feeling really anxious, I definitely that hits home for me because there's nothing worse than being in a crowd and feeling anxious and not really knowing what you're doing. And then to have one person just come up to you and be like, Hey, everything's okay. You belong here. That's incredible.
0: The world could use more Frank Michael, uh, Michael's Arrington. God, (laughs) butchered his name.
1: You got it that time. Um, the one thing I would add is that episode was borderline impromptu. Todd, sit, um, we we managed to get Kenneth W. Kane on it as well, who edited that anthology. And it was for for an episode that came together in less than a week. Um, and obviously Patrick and I weren't able to read the anthology because it you know, the episode came together so quickly. So um, fucking big too. <laughs> and, and it's a tort stopper. There's that. Um it it was a really poignant Really nice episode. you know i when when I think back to some of the episodes we recorded, I, I oftentimes I think of the really funny parts. I think of the I think of us just having a good time learning a lot about writing. But there's definitely been some episodes where we really hit like to the heart of things, and that was one of them. And you know, since we recorded that episode, I made it a point to to pick up that anthology. Um, it, it, it it just seems well worth my time to read uh, the great collection of authors they were able to build together, talking about uh, a person who is just the epitome of what this community can be.
0: And amongst those authors is the king himself, Stephen fucking King. So that's uh, that's pretty well, impressive with Stephen R. King. <laughs> yeah, me and Brennan thought that they, the way it was worded, we thought that they meant Stephen R. King, the guy that's often confused with Stephen King. That's not what they meant. They meant the real Stephen King. Um, now, we've already hit two and a half, this is the longest episode we've recorded. We've hit two and a half hours. Parts in the middle
1: because we botched the intro seven times. I'm sorry.
0: But needless to say, it's it's long, so I think we should just wrap up with 2021 reads that we're looking towards. Just list off, like, I don't know, 10 or whatever titles. Don't go into details about it, because if we go into details about that, that's like 40, 40 bucks. So uh, I, I guess I'll go first. I'll just rattle off my 10. Or I got 11, actually. You know, rattle off how many ever you want. <laughs> I'll go.
2: Everybody, do what you please. <laughs> Loud wait, 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 wait. If, what if you say some of my choices, Pat? Then And I've only left with like three.
0: That's true. That's true. The true. Race. Should I go last? I'll, I'll go first. Fuck it. <laughs> uh, so I'm really excited for this. Oh, Children yes, of Chicago. It's all about you. All right, Brendan, you go. Erica, you go. Cassie, you go. I don't care uh cassie why don't you start off
2: okay good that way none of my choices can get picked and i'll ruin all of your lists (laughs) okay so um goddess of filth by v castro really looking forward to that one god damn it cassie i had
1: that one (laughs) i really did
2: (laughs) okay um well Children of Chicago. <laughs> yeah,
0: that was the first one I said.
2: Cynthia Bellio. Um And then Shelter for the Damned by Mike Thorne. Um, Haley Piper has two things coming out. So one is a collection called Unfortunate Elements of My Anatomy. And then the other one is a book called Queen of Teeth. Um, I'm looking forward to both of those. I will read anything forever that Haley writes. Um and then Sonora has a collection as well coming uh, out called "Someone to Share My Nightmares," um, and I made a top twenty-five list before on my blog before she announced that one. So I'm like, "Damn it!" because that would have been up there. Like, and the cover looks <laughs> amazing. So, um, and then I don't, I don't know how many that was, but I'm just—I'll do one more um, so I don't steal any more answers. Um, but uh, "My Heart Is a Chainsaw" by Stephen
3: Graham Jones—I'm really
2: looking forward to that one.
3: Erica, let's send it to you. Perfect. I think, Cassie, I had read your blog post and took out all the duplicates I had, because I was like, wait, where is that one? Uh, <laughs> so the only other one I had was the Sonora Taylor, but that makes Shit, sense. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Um, so for me, uh, this one's probably going to already be out by the time this podcast airs, but I have Cruel Summer by Wesley Southard, which comes out on January 15th. Um, In Darkness, Shadows Breathe by Carolyn Cavendish. Cavendish? Mm. I think that's right. Okay. Um, let's see. The Survivors by Jane Harper, Paradise Club by Tim Meyer. Oh, Let's see. What else do I got? There's a couple Eric LaRocca books that might be coming out this year. I believe one's coming out in June, but I should have put a date here. Um, and then I have Brennan's book on my list. And then oh, also, goodness. of course, Cassie's Rosie Paints with Ghosts. I can't wait to see. <laughs> And then I have, as Sometime in 21, Six Rooms by Gemma Amor. Mm. I think those are my top ones. I've got other ones on here, but I wanted to put dates so I could be more specific. But I'll leave it at that. (laughs) Patrick,
1: which one of us should go first and which one of us should get the dregs?
2: Fight to the death.
1: Uh, I'll get the dregs. Okay. Okay. You, You want me to go first? Yeah. Okay, so even though Cassie already said it, I want to throw out unfortunate elements of my anatomy and Queen of Teeth by Haley Piper because you just you can't overstate how wonderful an author Haley Piper is. Just everything she does is golden. Uh, Cassie, you threw out Goddess of Filth, but uh, V. Castro also has a full length novella com- uh, novel, sorry, coming out called Queen of the Cicadas, which I am really looking forward to.
2: I didn't uh, know that. <laughs> I'm yep. writing it down super
1: fast. Yep. Um, I don't know how accurate this is, but Jonathan Jans has a few potential books, uh, including The Dismembered, a uh, cemetery dance book. Um, Children of the Dark 2, which probably won't actually come out this year, but I'm really hoping it will. Um, Marla and Halloween Gods, which both sound great. Todd Kiesling has his monochrome trilogy coming out throughout the year from bloodshot books. I think it is. And I am absolutely looking forward to, uh, Tim Meyer's malignant summer. His like ridiculously long silver shamrock release. And speaking of silver shamrock, um, they also have midnight beyond the stars, the next anthology in the midnight series, which um ronald kelly's in it they just announced today that samantha Koyesnik has a story in it and that's that's enough to sell me and i know <laughs> more than two stories so patrick did i get all yours
0: uh yeah i don't really give a shit if you guys got mine i was just gonna list mine <laughs> Ch- children of chicago by cena Palio. i can't wait uh queen of Cica- cicadas and Gossip of filth by v castro she is one of my favorite authors uh Jesus. That girl kicks ass. Uh, August's Eyes by Glenn Rolfe. The reissued of The Searching, <laughs> the Searching Dead by Ramsey Campbell. Uh, that's the first time I'll be jumping into that trilogy, so I'm excited for it. Irish Gothic by Ronald Kelly is a collect, uh, collection of Irish Irish uh, horror stories. Um, and you might want to look at who's dedicating the book to uh, me and Brennan. So I'm, I'm fucking bragging about that because that's, that's, that's pretty awesome. Uh, a Life Transparent by Todd Keeslin. He says it's a lot different. It's um, more uh, philosophical, unlike Devil's Creek, which is uh, creepy, to say the least, at times. Uh, Shiver, which is edited by Nico Bell. Brennan's in that. I'm excited to buy a paperback copy of that. Uh, Midnight from Beyond the Stars. I can't wait to read that. Um, Razorblade Tears by S.A. Cosby. Then uh, I got one more crime called Walking Through Needles by Heather L. Levy. Uh, Cosby, of the like 50,000 people he suggested on that. One episode. Uh, She was one of them, but I was already, I already bought her book at that point. And then one last one The Paradox Twins. It's by uh, Joshua Chaplinski. That is through Clash Books. I'm newer to Clash Books, but they do put up a hell of a product. Um, Books that are, have been out for a long time that I'm going to be reading this year. Just two of them. Uh, Fair by Ronald Kelly. It's supposed to be his magnum opus. A lot of, modern writers I look up to pretty much praise that book and the other one is uh, J.F. Gonzalez's Survivor it's supposed to be right up there with uh, The Girl Next Door by Jack Ketchum um, if someone says this book is crazy and whatever it's graphic and you know you might not want to start with this for me I, I want to read that first so I uh, I can't wait for the reads that I'm going to be diving into this year. I've already read a couple good ones. Um, Who wants to end this episode?
1: (laughs) One more I'll throw in. um, And I didn't include it because it's technically already out, even though it is a 2021 release is campfire macabre, not macabre, but macabre from uh, cemetery gates. Um, And there are something like 50 or 60 stories in there. By authors um, of all sorts of notoriety, including our very own Patrick Madonna. Mc- I almost called you Madonna. Um, Patrick Madonna. Uh, Patch, if you will. No. Um, why the <laughs> fuck did he call me that? <laughs> our, our very own Patrick McDonough. Um, I believe the story is called The Lady in the Window. Is that correct?
0: The Girl in the Window. The girl. The, uh, sorry. Horror version of Peter Pan.
1: Yep, so that's out in Cemetery Gates, who is just absolutely killing the anthology scene right now. Yeah. Uh, that, and places we, we fear to tread. Um, and it's about, like I said, 50 or 60 different flash pieces, all like somewhere between two and four pages long. Um, really, really cool anthology. Definitely pick it up just because it's out on January fifth doesn't mean you can't include it on your best of twenty twenty one when you make that list a year from
2: <laughs> that's fair. I um so I actually realized I only listed eight so I'm gonna say two more really quick. So um the the death of Jane Lawrence is coming out by Caitlin Starling who wrote The Luminous Dead. And that was also mm-hmm. one of my like top books of last year. So <laughs> Really excited for that one. And then um, Claire L. Smith, who wrote Helena by Clash Books last year, um, when we entered that house, is coming out by Off Limits Press, I believe it is. Okay. So I'm yeah. super psyched for both of those.
0: Yeah, Off Limits Press has a lot of uh, great titles coming out. They do. So, so I've I've really enjoyed this. I'm glad that Kat, Cassie and Erica got to join Brennan and I. And Brennan, I'm glad that you decided to be a co-host with me because uh, – it's, a sure, it's sure a hell of a lot more fun doing it with friends than by yourself. It's
1: not for the pay, I'll tell you that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but for all those that stuck with us through season one, for all those just joining, for all those listening to this episode, it's probably going to be around two hours and 30 minutes. Uh, thanks for your loyalty. I hope we've entertained and informed, probably more by the guests than ourselves, but Thank you so much, Brennan. Thank you, sir. Cassie and Erica, thank you for being here tonight. It's been fun. And uh, for all those waiting for season two, Brian Keene will be on a week after this. I hope you enjoy and hope you anticipate the exciting list coming up. Have a good one. Ta da! Ta da! <laughs>
2: deadhead space.